Welcome to the Barack Obama Approved World's Greatest Podcast, Hyphen Nation. I'm your dashing, daring, debonair, and sitting in the dark host, Kellen Conley. And I have another guest with me who was at my wedding, ladies and gentlemen. Last time we had Kwame, and this time we have Eric Frome, who drove all the way down from upper New York proper to come to my wedding in West Virginia. Eric, how the hell are you, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Man, it, it, like you said, it's basically been since your wedding. Yeah, it's been it's been six long years. And that was Holy the first shit. time Has that it we really met. Just yeah. Six years. God, the first damn. time we met face to face, man. So so let me just break it down real quick for, for y'all. Yeah, yeah. So I know this guy from fan fiction that we met through fan fiction, through more, um, comic book fan fiction. And I know you're going to be like, oh my God, you write Slash. No, we don't write <laughs> Slash. We wrote comic book fan fiction back in its heyday. And yes, there was a heyday. We can talk about it a little bit here. There was a heyday. Yes, there was. And so what had happened was we just became friends and like, like literally like me and Eric and another friend of ours, Clayton Tooley, MC, we just got to be a really good triangle so to speak yeah <laughs> of well, friendship because they were friends already yeah i mean it's it's funny how people with similar interests and ideologies kind of bond you know like yeah <laughs> especially over the internet because that that's one of the things that's come out of the, at least the last 20 years where yeah. it's like i know i've made friends over the internet and i've met i've found love on the internet and i've been catfished on the internet it all goes hand in hand so <laughs> What, like literally I, I made friends with Eric and friends with with MC and I was like I finally decided after 10 long years and you can ask Angel about it yeah <laughs> um I, that I that was time to get hitched and I was like I want to send Eric and MC invitations I, I doubt they could make it but I'm going to make sure I invite them because you know what it's just a nice thing to do like you they might send me some money or they might send me a card who knows <laughs> Oh, so okay. That's what you really wanted out of, of me. Not my friendship. You wanted money. I invited Barack Obama too. I was hoping that he would come down in the helicopter and with Michelle. That'd been crazy. Just come down in that field. But of course, it just got the typical response letter you get from the president when you invite him to the wedding. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I invited him, and then it was. I don't. When did you tell me you were even coming? Like, I don't even think I knew until the weekend of, right? Unless you said something before. I can't remember now. It might have been like maybe the week before. It just okay. because I got um, you know, just like just like Heath Slater, I got kids. No, uh, me too. So uh, finding finding sitters, you know, it, it is a bit of a of a of a hassle at times, especially mm-hmm. when you're doing like long weekends. Yes. And um, but I mean, I dude, I made I made sure as shit that I was gonna get it done, and we did. And uh, from from Buffalo down to you, I did that in about five hours flat. Which is crazy because that like I drove up to um, we went on vacation this summer and we drove from how we drove from D.C. up to to uh, Weehawken, New Jersey for a wedding, Mm -hmm. ironically enough. And that trip took. God, I feel like we didn't get there until it took at least six hours. And that was with summer traffic and everything else. So five hours in July is incredible. Like kudos to you and your driving skills, my friend. Well, it's uh, you know, it it, it is a skill. <laughs> I'm sure there is still a couple cops in Pennsylvania looking for me. <laughs> Great, so so I can't go through Pennsylvania with you, but 
yeah, Eric showed up to the wedding and MC showed up to the wedding and we all just kind of kicked it. They came to the rehearsal dinner and then saw him again on the actual day of and yeah. got some photos and had some drinks. And then I ran around like a crazy person and barely remembered anything. And then they're like, all right, man, we're heading back. <laughs> and I was like, all right, guys, well, I, this is incredible. Thanks for coming. Can't no, believe dude, you it was all the way down. It, it was fun. And, and, you know, of course, my wife and I and, and everybody, we were just glad and humbled to be asked, you know, to, to especially have bonds like this since 2000 2000 2000 um you know to do it i mean and and the the funny thing is you keep you keep bringing up uh clayton but uh <laughs> I, I met clayton for the first time at his wedding i stood i right. was i was actually a groomsman for his wedding the first time i met him <sighs> the so the first time i physically place, met man. you was yours so it was uh you know so, it, uh, so we're pretty much somebody yeah, else needs yeah. to get married is is what it comes down to well, I mean, it leaves. God, I don't even. I don't even know who that leaves. That I really still talk to since the since the the fanfic days. Right. You know, just a little bit here and there. You know. Yeah, I don't think anybody that I know from fanfics get married. Everybody, everybody I know is either already married or or they're they're done with love. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you you know, I'm not I'm not placing any bets on any of that. No. So, Eric, man. Who the hell is Eric Frome? Can you tell the people how how who you are, man? Um, I don't know. Pretty, pretty, just a pretty average person. I yeah, uh, I know wife, <laughs> two kids. You know, nine nine to five job. Um, I do uh, drafting work, so I do like mechanical stuff for hospitals, schools, stuff like that. You're the reason why in most most places like that you have heat. No. So you're welcome. Thanks, man. Um, and then on the weekends, I'm a I'm a I'm an airsoft warrior. <laughs> now, what what is that exactly? Well, you're 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 familiar with uh, paintball, right? Yeah, I am. Yes. So, airsoft's a lot like paintball, and but the difference is being is that the the weapons are a lot more realistic replicas because they don't oh. shoot big round um, paint filled pellets at you we shoot six millimeter round plastic pvc pellets oh that's that's so nice you guys so so when you get shot it sounds it feels like a lot like a bee sting and you and you do this every weekend (laughs) close enough oh my god twice a month why why do you why do you like the pain i don't understand (laughs) i'm so confused well the tricks the trick is to be uh the predator and not the prey Oh, so you got so you got to be Barney Stinson essentially is what you're trying to tell me. Yeah, well the okay. the way the games are structured, they're most of them are, are more military simulations, milsim for short for the yeah. airsoft in, insiders. Right. So it promotes a lot of strategy and tactics and communication and stuff like that. Okay. So the the biggest thing and in, in the biggest weapon on the airsoft field, to be honest, is your brain. Gotcha. So you, so you go out there with teams and stuff, or you you're not just by yourself, is what you're trying to tell me, then? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I routinely travel with about four other people. So you got a whole yeah. little squad, then? Yeah. That's what's up. And then we just, I mean, and then you meet people. I mean, the the, the neat part about this whole thing is just meeting people especially this year i've traveled through uh ohio pennsylvania more um 
meeting people from like Kansas City and stuff like that. Kansas City, yuck. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it happens. It happens. I understand. That's 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 super cool, man. Okay, I I just thought I'd ask because I was like, I was like, I, I know what paintball is, but I, I and I think I know what it is. So I, I'm just going to admit that I, I did not know what what that that hobby was that you that you were talking about. Uh, it's an expensive hobby. <laughs> how, I, oh God, how much how much money do you throw into it every let's say uh, month? Uh, every month. Yeah. It's gonna pull out the spreadsheet. Uh, I would not be surprised. No, I mean your typical games can average. Your, your typical pickup games on a weekend can be twenty five bucks. Mm-hmm. So it could be fifty bucks in a couple games there, maybe sixty. Um, BB's ammo. So I mean, per month, per month under hundred bucks. But you know, you, you make a couple one time purchases that could easily be three or four hundred bucks. Oh wow. Dang man, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's still pretty cool though. I mean, it's a it's a cool a cool hobby to have. It, it doesn't sound like anything that I would want to do. Getting hit with P, PCP pipe, PCP pipe, <laughs> PVC <laughs> pipe. But uh, I still think it's a, a cool thing to be. Maybe I'll try it once. You'll have to take me. Dude, I, me I I got you hooked up. Too. I got about nine rifles. You can take your pick. Oh sweet. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so th- we'll make it a date then. Of course. All right, so I was actually supposed to be down your way uh, two months ago. Oh, but you the, were. The game down there got canceled. They so they postponed it and moved it to Pennsylvania. Wow. See, I had I had no idea. You're just going to show up again and be like, "Hey, I was." Mor- I know, I have no doubt on that. You're just, "Hey, I'm in Morgantown. Come find me." <laughs> yeah, I would have showed up in a park like Arnold from Predator. Oh, okay. Don't do all that. <laughs> I, I, li- I live right next to some shady places. I mean, I live in a nice neighborhood, but a couple streets up is not so nice. So you cannot come creeping through my backyard. That oh. is not a good idea for you, Eric. <laughs> all right, that. man. So fan fiction. Yeah. It's your girl Holly Quinn, aka Dr. Holly and Quinzel, here to tell y'all about it's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff, and if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powie Awards, our 100th episode Q and Slay, or Theater from Our Butts. <laughs> Have a good day, puddins, and love, trust, and belief. Fan fiction, of course, is when a fan, such as ourselves, decide we want to continue the story of our favorite things that we're fans of, and we write our own stories, a.k.a. fiction, fan space fiction, or as I like to always put it, fan fiction, all one word. How did you get into fan fiction, my friend? Because it's been so long since I asked you, I really don't remember. (laughs) Well, you know, and and it's, it's probably funny that I do, but... um. No, it's not. You remember everything. So, so remember way back in the AOL days? Yes. You would do these uh, chat rooms and you get in these chat rooms and people would kind of act out certain uh, scenarios. Yes. So, like, one person types a sentence and another person types another sentence and another sentence and it goes on from there. And then it goes into play by email simulations. Oh, I heard of that. Yeah, so in in the email, what would uh, one person would would start a story, and he might go five paragraphs, 
or whatever. Then he just sends it off into this circle of people. And whoever gets it next is whoever gets to drive the narrative of the story next. So there wasn't, hey, I'm going to hand it to you. You do this. And then this is going to go to that person next. It's all random. So then the second person in line kicks it in. And every so often, I'd go through like 30 emails, copy them out, and then put them into one document. And then just do some slight edits to turn it into one more coherent story. Right. Um, which is where I met back then. <laughs> yeah, which is where I met Clayton through was a couple of those um, PBEM groups. Um, shit, I think the one was named Heroes or something. No, maybe that's the, the message board group. I think you're thinking about the message board. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, I don't know. I had the word Heroes in there because it. Well, you know what didn't at that time. Exactly. Um, so we were pitching through a couple of websites at the time. I think maybe one of the Omegas are like M2K or or maybe even sites that are still older than that that I don't remember the names of. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a couple rejections from that. And then we found the... Which one did you have first, DC Anthology? I had Marvel Anthology. Uh, ironically okay. enough, the 19th anniversary of Marvel Anthology just passed this month um, because I started in October 2000, yeah. Yeah, so we found the anthologies, and I think I pitched to you. I might have pitched Daredevil. Yes, it was Daredevil. That was the yeah. first pitch, and that was that's what led me into fan fiction with all those those play by email things. And I I wanted I wanted something a little bit more structured and something more driven by my own ideas. So so that's that's where it went from Daredevil at DC, or at Marvel anthology, and then it was I pitched two Green Lantern titles. At a DC anthology. Yes, you did. Now, speaking of of Marvel anthology, do you remember how you even ran across my little site that eventually could, but it didn't go until you got a hold of it? <laughs> um, Clayton. Oh, Clayton did have USA agent. That's right. He, I think he was. Yeah. God, he might have been like the second or third person to Clayton actually. Had, uh, yeah, he had US. Was it U.S. agent? U.S.A. agent, yeah, yeah. So he had U.S.A. agent, and um, but he, I think he found the sites, and then he directed me towards it. Yeah, because you you came after because because he hit me, and I think I because I had Spider Man, he he had U.S. agent, and then I think I had somebody writing X Men at that time, maybe. Yeah, and that didn't pan out. And it might have just been me, me and Clayton there for a while. Like I could dig in the archives if I hooked up my external, but it was literally just me and Clayton writing. And then you showed up and started doing, uh, doing Daredevil over there, man. So that that's kind of how it all started. And for me, I how I got back and found Discover Fan Fiction was I had stopped reading comic books like right after the conclusion of the Clone Saga, essentially. I would yeah. gotten into wrestling, which we're going to talk about later. It was during the <laughs> Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars. God damn, that was the best. Yeah, and I actually, what I did on the internet when I was on there is I would spend time going to message boards freestyling, or as we used to call it, key styling. So uh, I would literally go on these message boards and write raps on, right. on these message boards and stuff. And people, like there's like a little community on this site called Easy Board. And ironically enough, Easy Board is where I tried to make the first fan fiction site I was going to do. It was called Comics, it was called Comics Continuum. 
and it was going to have all these books that I was going to write, and then it never never happened. Um, that was the original attempt at doing fan fiction for me. Yeah. But what had happened was somehow, like, I think I was going to this one site, and, like, in your signatures and stuff, if you use, like, you could uh, use HTML, and you could put anything in there, and people were putting, like, high-quality images of, like, Marvel characters up and stuff, and I was like, where are these images coming from? And they're like, oh, they're from Marvel marvel.com because at that time marvel.com had just redid their stuff it was right around the time they started releasing digital comics and like so ultimate spider-man one was up there the first issue of um uh let's see john romita and i guess jeff Loeb was writing a hulk like so there was an issue of that up and ultimate x-men so they were literally putting up these issues there but then they had all these in-depth like um uh, glossaries on all their other characters and stuff, and then they had these images, and somehow I just started reading and catching up on things from the Marvel site, and I was just kind of like, man, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in comic books, and so I started I started searching to kind of get caught up on what was happening with Spider Man and stuff, and lo and behold, one day I ran across Marvel Volume One, the Marvel Knights Web of Spider Man series, and I think Jason Snyder was writing it at that point. One Jason Snyder, he was writing it later, but whoever first started on that series was writing Web of Spider Man, and I realized that, oh my God, this is somebody literally continuing this series that got canceled like X amount of years ago, right. and I just found that to be super fascinating. And I was like, immediately like, I want to write a, I want to write, I want to write. So I had a bunch of bad pitches and. <laughs> Uh, most notably to Gary Dreselinski of Avengers 2000. That's and, one of the sites, yeah. Yeah, and they, and that never went anywhere. And eventually I was like, I'm just going to make my own site and then I can write whatever I want. And so lo and behold, Marvel Anthology was born in 2000. And then with your encouragement, as well as some other writers, eventually DC Anthology was born in April 2001. Yeah, that's right. Wow, I didn't realize it was that much longer after... Marvel anthology. Yeah, I mean, we we were rolling because I was I didn't want to do DC. Like I, I, I was always a Marvel kid, so I knew a little about DC, but I didn't really get invested invested into DC DC. I don't know why I said DC twice until until DC anthology, and I was kind of like, you know what? I always like Tim Drake Robin. And you're like, you should write him. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then that from was, there, man, that's a good I, series too. Uh, it, it was it, honestly, it's probably the best thing I, I actually ever wrote as far as fanfic goes. Cause Spider-Man was always, I don't know. Spider-Man just took forever, but I feel like with Robin, I had a real good grasp on, on Tim, on the character and stuff. Well, it's and, funny. And I noticed that, that yeah. when it comes to the characters that people love the most, they tend to be the hardest for them to write. I, I had that problem. Yeah. Cause I, I've went back and reread a lot of my old fan fiction. I actually have it all still on my website. It's not public, but it's on there. <laughs> so I've read a ton of it. And those Spider-Man issues were wild. Like the best one I wrote was the Venom Carnage Spider-Man issue, mm-hmm. I think. But like I had like I like redid the clone saga. I had Norman come back. I had Harry come back. Uh who uh, Jackal was there, Kane was there, like yeah. everybody was just fighting and having this huge battle, and it it just made no sense. But <laughs> when I really just kind of toned it down and just focused on like a story instead of like this big long arc with Spider Man, I think I did a little better. But the, yeah, that's that's how it all began for me, man. All thanks to thanks to you guys pushing me, and and I really did like Raiden Robin, man. I I, I kind of wish 
I had stuck with it more when I, once I went to college and stuff and moved to Morgantown because I really feel like I had a good thing going. But I just, of course, I, I found a girlfriend who's mm-hmm. now my wife and is trying to sleep in the back room. And <laughs> and then I was focusing more on music and stuff. So that got it just kind of all got away from me. But I, I really enjoyed um, writing Robin back in the day, man. Yeah, there was a lot. It was a lot of fun back in those days, um, especially the more the more people that came into it. Oh yeah, the, you know the the. We had a ton of people, man, because because we used to use the ma- the mailing list. Speaking of uh, the email stories yeah. that used to go down, and I just saw that isn't Yahoo Groups finally closing here soon? Yeah, that's that's what I read. Um, yeah, so there will be no more Yahoo Groups and. There's I haven't, years. I haven't touched the Yahoo groups since uh, the sites closed up back yeah. in 2015. So, you know, I, it's I'm it'll be kind of sad right to now. see all of that go away because there was a lot of creativity in those groups, you know, kind of behind the scenes because eventually everybody kind of became involved in the direction of the sites. I mean, because I mean, you know, people people might hear the word fan fiction and go, oh, you know, haha, that's that's silly, you know, bullshit. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I think the success of the sites was the fact that we took it serious. I mean, because because listen, I mean, OK, granted, was I being paid by any one of these two companies to do this shit? No, absolutely. I, I was getting any money from me. But the, <laughs> the thing is, is this is that DC owns. I'll just and I'll pull Superman out of my ass because why not? Like, DC sure. owns Superman. That doesn't mean Grant Morrison owns him or Jeff Loeb owns him or Brian Michael Bendis owns him. They come in, they pitch an idea, they write the character, they move on. Somebody else comes in, they do something with the character that might undermine or retcon or do whatever, and then they move on. But when those people leave, like Brian Michael Bendis, he doesn't own the Avengers. He doesn't take that work with him when he leaves. So he's... He, in a sense, is really just doing the same shit we are. Just he's, I don't know, sponsored by Marvel, I guess you could say, right. or however it is. Um, so, you know, I didn't I didn't like getting caught up in that trap of just being like, oh, I'm just some silly asshole just punching my, you know, grubby little, you know, uh, <laughs> fingers on the keyboard in a basement somewhere writing about how much, you know, I love Superman or Green Lantern. It, it wasn't like that at all. It was no. It was taken serious and we all took it serious with love to say, you know, and, and I think the 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 peak of, of of fan fiction, which was, you know, several years ago. Yeah, a few was, years ago, it whenever like it was. Ninety let's just say ninety-eight through like two thousand and two, two thousand three, I'm gonna say. Yeah. I mean, that was that was like the, the golden age. And we had, a, I mean, listen, up until 2015, it was a pretty decent run, too. But yeah, people got older, life kept it took flow, over man. more. And, you know, to be honest, people got older, older and more committed to things and less people coming into it mm-hmm. because fanfic is silly. It 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 wasn't sustainable. Um, you know, and I it, it hurt to let it go. But it became honestly, it started becoming more work. Than, than what I was getting out of it, you know? I'll never forget when you called me that day and you was like, hey, man, I'm like, hey, what's up? You're like, I, I'm going to shut down the sites. I'm like, dude, 
that that's fine. <laughs> you're yeah. like, yeah, but I feel horrible and terrible. I'm like, Eric, like it's 2015. You ran these sites because I I stopped being e- like editor in any kind of form. Like Marvel was at least 2000. I'll say 2002, 2003. When mm-hmm. I last did anything with Marvel, you took over DC as soon as I went to college. Pretty much, let's say the fall of 2001. Yeah. So, I mean, I was like, dude, you've been doing this for like over a decade. Like, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, you've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this. I completely understand that, man. Oh, God. For the amount of times that like the websites would reboot and then, oh, I'm going to take this title. I'm going to throw that away. I'm going to get somebody else to go into here. Um, yeah, it was a it was a lot of work, but I, I got to tell you, it was um, a, a neat a neat experience juggling. So I think, and you know, it's funny. I have the old the, I have the site as it was from 2015 on my on my screen right now. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, I, I have saved. I have everything saved. Um, yeah, in fact, I think that's exactly how it is on my on the actual web. If you go to dca universe.com I'm pretty sure it's the exact same thing. Yep, there it is. New release is April 8th, 2015. <laughs> I mean, there's there's 28 titles, I think, just on the front page alone in the first titles, let alone all the limiteds, all the archives for volume ones, which, you know, one, two, six, seven, eight, because this makes captivating uh, radio, me counting. Uh, you know, like another, hey, I count all the time. I call it podcast another, 101. You know, another 20 in the archives. I mean, there's over 50 something titles, you know, and then the and I was so trying clean, to build. Um, <laughs> it still looks beautiful to this. Day. I, I, it does. It Every time I, I click in the site, it makes me go, eh, do I have another run in me? But I'm like, ah. no, but then man. it's like, I know I got to get people in it. And I, you know, I've, there's a couple of sites that are that are still active and bless them for it. Uh, if I ever go back, I, I have a site in mind I would probably go back to. Are you going to say or nah? <laughs> well, no. if I did, if I did, I'd probably pitch to Omega. But I mean, I've yeah. been saying that for the last four years. You know, I just with. With the other things I'd like to start writing. Um, you know, I mean. I, I listen, I love superheroes. I, I love all the goddamn Marvel movies I read. The last comic run I read, controversially enough, I guess, was the Jane Foster issues of Thor because they were fan fucking tastic. Oh yeah. Well, they, and and here's the deal, you know, and I'll do a little side tangent on, sure. on this. We love side tangents. It wasn't a Jane Foster book. Thor, the 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 Thor, had a huge part in the books. You know, having yeah. When when I I've never read it, them so well so so here's the cliff notes on it right okay Thor became unworthy of Mjolnir okay how did what did he do the they, there was this well and of course since DC and Marvel are are nothing but but events anymore right um there was this event and. They were facing against. They were going up against this god or god killer or whoever it was, um, you know, random random bad guy number three. Told Thor <laughs> that no no gods are worthy. Like, and Thor believed it. 
And there were so he became unworthy of me owner. He couldn't he couldn't pick up the hammer anymore. So the hammer taking the initiative on its own said, well, fuck this. I I need somebody to smash me into the faces of the enemy. Picked Jane Foster. So the entire time that this female Th- or uh, Thor, Thunder Goddess or whatever, is flying around, Thor is dealing with this depression of not having Mjolnir. And he's getting pissed that this other person's using it. Like, how, how dare this fucking person? And, you know, there was this one, this one nice flashback. Thor and Jane Foster were sitting on this couch in Thor's bedroom in Asgard. And... Mjolnir is sitting on this pedestal and Thor is staring at the hammer and Jane's like, what are you, what are you looking at? He says, I'm just watching Mjolnir. She goes, well, why? He says, because he had just woken up. He says, well, every time I wake up, I stare at it, wondering if today's the day I'm not worthy. So every time he puts the hammer down, he goes to sleep, he wakes up in the morning, he has that little doubt in his brain of going, am I going to be able to pick up the hammer today? Which I thought was fucking brilliant. Wow. Um, because it, 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 it kind of like in a, uh, Endgame when, mm-hmm. when Thor Lebowski, <laughs> you know, stretched out his hand and received Nolan. He's like, holy shit, I'm still worthy. Right. That was the characterization that they gave, you know, jacked, ripped Thor, the hero Thor, in the books that even as a hero, he's like, am I a hero enough? To be worthy of Mjolnir. And I'm like, holy fuck, that's that's brilliant. And, you know, so they had a lot of those things in the book. And then the betrayal that Thor felt when he found out that it was Jane who was Thor. And all these things that led up to it. And then so so Thor had a big part in that book as much as Jane did. Mm -hmm. So knowing knowing where Endgame was. And and where you know the the whole new things with Natalie Portman being Jane Foster, I'm optimistic of it. I mean, right now Marvel hasn't done anything to let me down, so I've got nothing to get on my pedestal about to piss on them, you know, for. Right. Um. But if they if they use even partial things in that book, um, then I think the movie could be pretty fantastic. It would be a nice re- you know a continued redemption arc for Thor. Because you know that he's not done being um, broken just because he had that win at the end. And he's, excuse me, flying off with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, he's got a lot of work to do. He does have a lot of work to do. And he's got Stormbreaker and and Mjolnir's, by all rights, should still be shattered pieces in Norway in in a random field somewhere. Right. So the hammer's still physically there nobody went back and collected it nobody took the broom and the dustpan and swept Mjolnir (laughs) up into the thing like um so what does the hammer do hammer's gonna find the next worthy person to can damn right it's gonna be Jane and it's gonna be Jane so I'm uh Uh, you know I I don't I don't mind the idea for it you know and as long as Hemsworth is willing to do it and I'm kind of I'm kind of happy that he's the next movie or the first the first movie out of the original trilogies to start a new hopefully a new trilogy right that he can be there for because i think it's fitting that that thor is that bridge Uh, i think he may i don't think he'll have the same arc but i could see him kind of filling 
kind of being the guy they choose to peg to replace Robert Downey Jr. as a consistent cog in the universe, maybe? I'd hope so. I mean, it's yeah. Thor. I mean, because... <sighs> I, listen, I love the movies, and I and I have I have zero qualms about what any of the movies have done. You know, and understanding that actors are what they are, and they they age as opposed to comics, and they have contracts and money and all this shit. Right. You know that you know that Captain America's arc they could do fifty movies easily on Captain America. Yes. Like like that's. That right there is an understatement, let alone the amount of movies they could do for Thor. You know, like the, the, the three trilogy movies and the Avengers movies and whatnot is just a nice little arc. It tells a character story, but that's there's so much shit out there. And, and so it's kind of nice with the idea that they could at least with Thor keep expanding on that. You know, like hopefully maybe what they do with Spider-Man now that he's back and they have this idea that they still want to do two more solo spider-man trilogies and maybe use right. madam webb to pull him into the sony verse um you know that that they have this long-term goal to actually expand upon arcs you know i you want norman that's what i want who do you think they would get for norman i don't know <laughs> i if, honestly i i i can't even because in all honesty like Norman Osborn is the best worst of of all the villains in 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 any comic book and in, in, in any comic book universe in DC and Marvel and I'm I'm severely biased and you can throw the Joker <laughs> at me sure. you can throw Lex, Lex at Luther. me you can throw right you can throw Venom at me if you want to if he's having a bad day you can be like oh well um here, even like on throw Thanos at me yeah. or a dark side, all of those. There well, you know, is you... nobody who is as bad as Norman Osborn. Well, Norman know, Osborn don't give a fuck. He doesn't. <laughs> but you know what the nice thing is, uh, you know, to tie this back into fanfic? Yeah. Is like Doom or or in, in your case, Norman. But I'll pick Doom because I actually I, I, I planned out for a little for Doom. Doing fanfic was a nice way to at least kind of create a consistent, at least for me, for my own headcanon, things for certain characters, especially the bad guys, Lex Luthor. Like for me, Lex Luthor, in the comic books, they present him as this xenophobic, you know, person mm-hmm. who's like, no, you know, fuck all these aliens. Oh, but by the way, I'm going to I'm going to take all this technology from Darkseid because, you know, why not? Yeah. You know, and I can use this to my advantage at some point. But Lex Luthor is supposed to be, in his mind, like the, this pinnacle of human achievement. At least, at least, is how I see him. Yeah. He's like, you know, a person who pulled him up from his bootstraps after he killed his parents or however to have you. Um, took took the blood money and built himself into an empire. He did that. He and he's he's the example to humanity to what it could be by following his example, or even just kind of following him into doing it so you know i could see where he would be like oh superman's gonna come in here save a couple babies stop some people from jumping off a building and now people are gonna praise this guy as the hero of metropolis and metropolis wouldn't be anything that it is if it wasn't for for LexCorp. but at the same time i'm gonna take all these handouts from this this alien despot from a different you know 
you know, universe or whatever it is. So I always found like those types of characteristics inconsistent. So yeah. it was nice to be able to kind of fix that or doom, you know, and, and doom. And I fucking love doom. But one of the things that they do with doom is he does the same things and he gets beat. But he's supposed <laughs> to be this intellectual equal or even superior to Reed Richards. So, you know, when when Derek I think he's smarter than Reed. Well, but like when Derek Ferguson brought Kazar over and then Brent uh, was writing Black Panther mm-hmm. or not, uh, who was no, it wasn't Black. Um, fuck. It was um, X Factor. You know, we could start. We could start building up these. Um, oh, and uh, Josh Reynolds wrote Fantastic Four. So we included a lot of these, you know, Wakandas and, and Latverias in the United Nations and built almost like this super super pack or whatever you wanted to say of these super countries Mm -hmm. and you know including atlantis in that and you know and and including doom and that was my my thought was for him to say you know and doom doom kind of takes a step back and he goes you know every time i try to save the world the world rebels against me because the world doesn't want this freedom of choice taken away from them. Even though Doom knows best. Right. So my thing with pairing him with Wakanda and Atlantis and and having Doom show the world his mercy. Having Doom be like, I'm going to take this village and build it up. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And it's going to come to the point where the world comes to me to save them instead of me pushing my will upon this planet for me to save them just so they could tell me to, you know, go fuck myself at every turn. Right. So have the world beg doom to be saved. That was that was always what I would like to have seen come out of that stuff. Wow. You know, so that was just, again, like just a neat way to be able to do my own consistent things. Right. And not have to, not have to deal with any bullshit at all. You you knew exactly what you're getting because it was literally coming from you. Yes. Um, and, and even with, and even with other writers and stuff, I mean, in the early days, it was like the wild, wild West with like, we had people like giving Batman Brown suits and <laughs> killing people and then bringing <laughs> back, damn. bringing them back to issues later or writing, 500 word issues and then like here's a new issue here's a new issue here's a new issue it's like nothing happened in this issue eddie what are you talking about yeah (laughs) and but like eventually especially the way that you ran it like the author's vision was shared with you and like there was a whole collaborative process so even though like like even if you weren't writing at that time you knew what was going to happen in x-force number 10 like you had an idea where brent was going with that so that's an incredible process of of it speaks volumes to what you were able to accomplish as the editor and then also um the writers that we had their willingness to um have their ideas listened to but then also to accept other ideas so that everything's channeling into one continuity essentially without throwing things off every issue well, and, and, and it goes to a lot of credit for for authors, and, and I can actually use that term not even lightly, for like Brent, um, who, who got published recently, which is, you know, congratulations to fucking him. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, Derek and Ed, 
and you know a bunch of other people I could name off that were willing to to be a part of a whole and recognize that they were that they were contributing through their own work to a larger universe that they just weren't writing for just the sake of writing and for their book to just be out there and just kind of twisting in the breeze by itself with nobody paying attention to it. They were contributing to the greater birth of this world. And, um, you know, so, so just know, I think for them knowing that the works actually meant something, you know, just increased, um, the quality or the enthusiasm to kind of be a part of that process. And, And, you know, they, they all had, um, you know, they were all great to work with. And that was that was the biggest thing I I knew I was going to miss. And I do miss is just talking with all those fucking people uh, almost daily as I was, um, you know, because I, I had a lot of fun with them and they were all smart, you know, people. And it was awesome hearing and seeing ideas from different angles that I never even thought of. Yeah. Um. So yeah, fan fanfic gave us a lot, man. It, it did a lot as far as us being able to create these, these universes, it gave me the ability to, (laughs) it gave me the ability to kind of find my writing voice because to be completely honest with you, I had never written anything in my entire life before I wrote issue, whatever it was, let's say 446 of amazing Spider-Man. I'd never written anything that long in my life, like other than school stuff. I had never tried to do a story from beginning to end. So I'm yeah. learning, literally learning on the job, as all of us were. Um, but the thing about the relationships we made and the universes that we were able to create and just some of the stupid laughs we were able to have um, just on, on the chats. Like sometimes we all hop in a live chat and sit there for like and from like, I don't oh, know, nine o'clock until like 3 a.m. Yeah, just, fuck, just I forgot be, about those. Just be doing nothing in there. <laughs> and then like be ragging on everybody. And it's like, oh, Kellen's quiet. He must be talking to that girl. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, man. I mean, this these are all things that, that happen. Or even I mentioned this on the pod when I did my September 11th episode. I mentioned that how once everything calmed down, like one of the first things I did was I went to the message board and I was like, um, I need everybody to reply to this ASAP because I need to know um, where everybody's at. Because I, I knew where some people were, but I was like, I need to know everybody's okay. And then we had this long discussion. I'm actually kind of looking at it right now, just about everything that occurred that day and what was happening. And and it was just a, it was like a, a weird, it was like a family at times. Um, so I, I don't know where I would be without, without having that connection because I I didn't even know that I liked to write until fan fiction. Um, I I didn't know that I could be that creative. Right. on that level and then i didn't know that i could i was able to collaborate with people i didn't even know on some of the craziest things like we we literally did a whole issue where we did awards and had sarah michelle geller host the thing <laughs> but then we turned around and we pulled together like this massive crossover that took place like over the course of like a whole month and, it, and we pulled it off seamlessly because we literally yeah. put every single piece of it together God, I forgot about those too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, those award issues were 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 hilarious. It was just it was a nice just a nice kind of break for oh, yeah. fun. You know, I mean, what's what's what good is all of this is we're not having fun from it. Exactly. Um. So when you came to DC, mm-hmm. the DCA, um, of course you already was writing Daredevil over in Marvel. 
you t- said to me, I think I, I can't remember if you said you wanted to write both or you said you wanted to write one, but I think I think you came to me with Anthony Drake first, and you were like, I want to write Green Lantern, and I was like, okay. No, I think you did have both Green Lantern books. I think you may have had Hal. And then you said, I want to write Kyle. Sorry, my bad. I I could see Kyle in my head, but I said Hal. Um, And I really like Kyle, so sorry, Kyle. Um, (laughs) But I could could see Kyle. um, And yeah, yeah, you said you you wanted to write Kyle. And then you also said to me, I want to write Green Lantern, um, except this guy's named Anthony Drake. And I was like, who the hell is Anthony Drake? And you're like, well... Essentially, he's this guy and this character I've had in my head forever. And I just want to give him a ring and I just want to kind of tell his stories over in a whole different part of the country and and not have any, have anything to do with Kyle. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so I gotta tell you that I still have all the glad issues saved on my hard drive. Oh, wow. uh, my external. Um I've I've read them several times. It's been a few years, but I, I have read them. And I have to say, it's probably one of the coolest Green Lantern ideas that I've seen probably in my lifetime, because there, I don't think anything super cool has happened with Kyle. I mean, with Kyle, with Green Lantern, since I guess you could say when Hal went crazy. But I don't think there's ever like a, a, a big moment where in Green Lantern recent history um, where something happened. Everybody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it happened. Like other than Hal going nuts. Yeah. Um, I have to say that this is probably one of the coolest Green Lantern series I've ever read ever, and you're responsible for it. So can uh, you? Well, I mean, that's thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Can you like maybe just break down like how you came up with Anthony Drake and and what happened in his in his series and why ultimately it, it kind of went away when it probably never should have went away and we should have found a way to frontier the whole thing and make Anthony Drake a household name. Yeah, well. <laughs> And I take I'll take a lot of the credit for the blame on on not that moving forward. But Anthony Anthony Drake and and this goes back to the the play by email um, games. Uh, shit, I can't remember his name. But Bob, it's always Bob. The, um, yeah, it's Bob. <laughs> so in this group, we existed inside the DC universe. But his idea was to come up with original um, heroes. But I mean, and, and I, as I stare at the poster of um, Alan Scott, Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner on my wall, nice. I've been a huge Green Lantern fan. And, and I always thought that the, 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 the premise for Green Lantern was awesome. Like you could just be this ordinary person. And without having this random ass I got struck by lightning while bit by a cobra moment um be be selected to do astonishing things and and to be brought into a world bigger and weirder and wilder than anything you could have possibly imagined and um so so my my premise for it was well, what if this got put, and I think Anthony Drake, um, even in that series, as he was in the, the DC anthology series, was a legit policeman. Right. So, you know, he was he was always a person who was going to be a protector of people. Um, and, and to kind of 
balance that work with the ring, especially because it's not like it's just a nine to five. You know, you know, I'm, oh, I, you know, I work in this laboratory. I work between eight and five, and now I've got the entire night to just fuck off and do whatever I want. You know, he, he had legit. I, I work whenever there's a problem. So, you know, to be able to kind of, I think, set up, you know, certain things that he had to deal with as a as a cop, and then kind of at at the end of that shift, you know, during during certain certain parts be able to kind of step into a fantasy thing and use the ring to help him deal with with crimes with from uh, from metahuman metahuman crime right um god and I'm, I'm kind of even stretching backwards to remember a lot of what i did with it let's see if maybe there's a couple issues in here that i can use to kind of jog my my brain with but you know yeah. having having a partner who yeah, well, this is the this was the biggest foil for Anthony Drake. So he's a Green Lantern, who always yeah. Here now everything's kind of coming back. Okay, I'm here. So I'm he here got the it. ring. He got the ring when he was younger. He and he could have he could have done more with it, but he was you know a, a little on the younger side, so he was kind of afraid to. But he always kept it hidden. Didn't really do a lot with it, but he went through the process, went through the academies, did his cop things. And then he got a partner who lost her family at Coast City. So his partner, mm. Lisa Hunter, had a kind of a Lisa, natural dislike yes. for Green Lanterns because Green Lantern was responsible for the entire city, you know, uh, or, or whatever it was. For Coast City, for, for not destroyed. protecting Coast City when when the Superman shit was happening. That's yes. what that's what it was. So she's like, "Well, where is he?" And um, and I think that was part of the things. Like you know, Hal Jordan was off doing things and he wasn't there. And I think Anthony might might have been afraid of doing things elsewhere, not being where he wanted to be or needed to be. So it was kind of that opposite part where he still had this idea of kind of protecting people, but he didn't want to be strung about the universe or whatever it was. Right. So when part of the core, when, when I eventually started opening those doors, um, you might've seen Anthony Drake taken out of his element and put in different worlds. And I think that's what I wanted to, to kind of help showcase was a person who was very much regimented into this process through, through being a cop and being brought out into the, to the greater universe. Um, but I did a lot of crazy shit in that book. <laughs> and, and I think one of my, one of my problems with that book is I didn't understand pacing. So I think I wrote like 20 something issues that I think if I, if I thought about it probably only took place in the span of a week. Like I, I just, I didn't, every issue it was almost like an episode of the shield. You know, if, if you're familiar with that TV show from, from FX right. where one episode ends and it cliffhangers into the next issue. And that's how I wrote I cliffhangered it into the next issue and things just kept going and kept going. And I just kept that momentum, which I think was a great strength to the series. But also, I think one of the the detriments to the series in the long run is that, you know, you had to read 20 issues to get a whole story. Then I started involving President Luther Mm -hmm. in things. And I'm God, because Lex was president. Oh, my God. Yeah. Lex was president forever in DCA. Uh How did I forget that? That's crazy. 
Yeah, man. We wrote a lot of stuff just about Lex alone, man. Yeah. We were not kidding. <laughs> no. No. And that, oh my God. Yeah, there were. I'm looking at some of these old issues now. Dude, I did like almost 14 issues with Rainer. Or did somebody else pick the reins up? I thought you had uh, nice Rainer reins. Um, I thought somebody else picked it up, is what I always thought happened. Yeah. And then I did get permission from one of the people. Um, that I did the original um, play by emails with to to introduce his character as kind of like a villain for my series. So that was a nice kind of tie back right. um, with the barrister who was a uh, a lawyer nice. who went, um, you know, a little nuts with kind of seeing the system not work, which, you know, I mean, typical stuff, I guess, from, oh, from yeah. that, but just kind of being a nice foil for for Anthony Drake. But I just I wanted I just wanted to see something different out of it, you know, somebody who had to juggle the two commitments, you know, because it seems like when you're a Green Lantern, everything else just kind of falls away. Yeah, it, like you don't have there's nothing else, and that was something that they they tried to do with Kyle. I remember in the '90s is always like, well, you're a Green Lantern now, and then what was Kyle like a painter or something? Is that right? I remember yeah, Kyle, that, right? Kyle was an artist. Okay, yeah. Um, so he he really didn't have a job. No offense to any artists out there, but I mean, yeah. if you're an artist, I mean, I'd rather be a Green Lantern all day long. And then Hal, of course, was a pilot, and then he's a Green Lantern. He doesn't really have to fly anymore. I mean, they gave everybody jobs that you didn't have to do. But Anthony literally was he was a cop. He had a day job he had to go do all the time and then try not to use his ring. Cause he was supposedly scared of it. And then he, he was literally learning the ring on the job while on yeah. the job. And the first time that he actually came public was when his partner got shot mm-hmm. and he had the power to save him, but he didn't. And that's when, when Anthony kind of pulled his head out of his ass to be like, you know, that was on I, me. I, 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 that was, you know, I could have done something about it. And then he right. went ape shit and whatever it was. And, um, yeah, that was the first introduction of him as a Green Lantern. Wow. That's incredible, man. So, so what happened where, like you said that you essentially didn't know your pacing and you kind of busted your load after you had 20 some issues. Like how, I forget how many issues you actually got of, of uh, almost 20. Okay. Almost, almost 20. 20. Yeah. So, so what happened with maybe over twenty with the annuals? Because I might have had three in there. Yeah. So, what 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 made you kind of get away from that character? Because I kind of kind of feel like as you moved away from Glad, I know you were, you picked up Superman eventually after that. Yeah. Or if you hadn't already picked up Superman, um, I really feel like your production writing wise was affected after you didn't have glad anymore. Like I kind of feel like I really feel like that was your baby. And when you didn't have your baby anymore, you were still writing, but I didn't, it just felt like you were not as invested as you were when glad was around. Uh, a lot of that's a lot of that's true. And I think uh, it was because, well, like with anything, I think I got too close to it. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem I was having at the time is the um the busier I got and the less I the less I was writing, which is kind of like my issues now. 
because I have ideas. I've never stopped having ideas. But yeah. the, the less I was writing, it, it, it's like exercise. It's like I almost forgot how to put words together in a sequence that I like. Wow. And yeah, um, I know that feeling <laughs> all too well. So, you know, I, I mean, I had a shit ton of ideas I could mine. So what I when we rebooted DC Anthology, I rebooted Green Lantern Anthony Drake into Special Crimes Unit mm -hmm. because, I mean, Anthony's book was always more of an ensemble anyway. Yeah, it was a, um, quite the eclectic cast. It was. So I'm like, if it's going to be an ensemble, I'll treat it like an ensemble. And, you know, I. I. I um, kind of rebooted the series. And, um, you know, I tied it, I tied it more stronger into the Green and Lantern uh, mythology than I had before, because I, mm -hmm. I forget. I think Ganthit gave him the ring originally. Yeah. But in this reboot, so in one of the Green Lantern uh, annuals or whatever, the Green Lanterns tried to invade Apocalypse to overthrow Darkseid. I know that worked out for him. Sure it did. <laughs> one, of, one of the Green Lanterns, um, Alessander? I don't know, but you know, like um, um, Starfire, her species. Yeah. Well, there was a Green Lantern of her species, and she had her neck snapped by Darkseid. Mm. But Dang. like any Green Lantern ring, they just kind of fly off the the thumb and, and go places. Right. But after that massacre, because the Lanterns got their asses whooped, and the only thing that saved them was the actual intervention of the Guardians. So when the, the Guardians or the whatever from always showed up to, to kind of ceasefire this, all the rings, and maybe this more, more, might be more my head canon than anything, were just kind of collected in this um, uh, tomb right. or whatever, catacombs, to, as like a silent memorial for the people who got slaughtered in that. So when the Guardians went away, they left behind Ali... Says something or other, like a mad guy. Oxen free. Yeah. <laughs> Love that well, guy. I had him as an experiment go into the catacombs. He selected a ring, which happened to belong to Alessandra, the, the 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 Green Lantern who got her neck snapped. Right. He took the ring and gave it to, and he gave it to Anthony Drake. I don't know if it was like flat out or whatever. I don't exactly remember that. But then I had it where, in a last ditch effort to save her life, the ring took Alessandra's soul and put it inside the ring. Oh, so wow. I was going to have kind of like this artificial intelligence thing with the rings. Like, I mean, they all kind of do, but this was going to be different because it had, you know, more personality because this person was kind of living inside the ring. The ring, yeah. the ring did what it had to, to save its, its, you know, host or whatever you wanted to call it. So I did a couple things there. I was going to tie it in, you know, and then I, I, with Lisa, I took too much away from her. So in this case, you know, I gave her a sister and her sister's kid who were away from Coast City, you know, to live with her, you know, because she has no more home because Coast City was fucking wiped out. Of course. Um, so I wanted to give Lisa a little something to hold on to so she could fight for. 
because I like I felt like she lost too much. So what was she going to fight for? Um, you know, so I, I as I got into those tweaks, I'm like, all right, well, now I can go forward. And then I just never did. And I think it's just because I got a too close to it because the longer the story stayed in my head, the more I already told them to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that feeling, too. Like, so so what am I going to do with this? Like, I've already told it to myself. It's perfect in my head. I'm slamming it down on paper and it looks like shit because I don't know how to put three words together and go, Ugh, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes, so, I do know, man. That sucks. <laughs> Superman just got easier to write, you know, and mm-hmm. there was there were a couple issues of Superman that I'm damn proud of, um, you know, so at least I have that. Yeah. And Daredevil got me a fair amount of recognition from people, too. Um, you know, so I, I, I had that. So it's not like I, I needed Anthony Drake to be relevant, but Anthony Drake was my kid. And, um, you know, I let him down. You see it out of the corner of your eye at the end of an alleyway that didn't exist before. The light seems to flicker and threatens to sputter out. It's a theater and there's only one film playing. You don't recognize the title, although it stirs something in your mind. Welcome to the Mirage, the theater of movies that do not exist. Cinematic Mirage is a podcast exclusive to the Domicile of Dread Patreon about films that were greenlit that never made it to the silver screen. Join Thomas DJ as he explores how the projects came together, why they stopped production, and what they may have been about. It's free to all patrons at the $5 a month level or more. To learn more and to sign up, go to patreon.com slash DJ's Domicile of Dread. Cinematic Mirage. A seat's waiting for you. Have you ever considered maybe, just maybe... Going back to the Anthony Drake well as you keep sipping on your whiskey over there. To be honest, I have not. I have not had that thought once in my head. Oh, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, maybe that I mean maybe literally that was just something that was for that time period and maybe it's time that you uh break into something new. Well, I do have um major a... announcement. Here we go. I, I, yeah, a major announcement that that I probably could have been fifty issues deep on four years ago if I actually just did it again. Um, but I've been sitting on this Star Trek um, idea. I mean, Star Trek's my my first love. Of yes, it is. I science fiction and stuff. Well, and um, Father and and Mallory, right? Uh, yeah, that was um, that was Derek Ferguson and Jason Cleaver. Yeah. yeah, I thought you wrote for it too, or you just helped them with it. Um, I hosted, um, their website. Well, okay. I should say you hosted their website. I think it was. Yeah, I did. That's and right. I did their website and I, and I posted their stories. For That's them. right. I used to pay for my own hosting people. Be yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't and, happen anymore. But, uh, you know, in this, in this black hole of Star Trek after Enterprise and before Discovery, um, and before the Picard series, which holy Jesus, I can't wait for. It looks amazing. Oh, I know. Um, and listen, I mean, I'm not going to be one of those people. I've got 
you know, pretty good things to say about Discovery. You know, I'm not going to be that those people on their websites that do nothing but shit on good things um, <laughs> because they're out there. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I built I built a Star Trek and I'm like and I wanted to have something written for it. And it by its 50th anniversary, which I think was like two years ago, because. Having yeah, having kids is a right. constant distraction. And then it's like yes. I'm always yelling upstairs. I'm like, will you guys stop running? Because it sounds like elephants are above my head. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're they're starting to become more independent. So but then we're anytime I come downstairs, you know, I'm involved with other things. But I yeah. I got this whole Star Trek thing built out that I love to be able to do because I think um and it'd be interesting to see what Picard does. But now that they've opened up the door for the Gamma Quadrant through Deep Space Nine, the best Star Trek series there is, um, they've opened up the things through the Delta Quadrant with the Voyager and obviously the Alpha and Beta Quadrants with the original series and the next generation. With the introduction of these now faster-than-warp technologies, I wanted my series to kind of bridge the gap to kind of mix the entire Milky Way galaxy together. You know, because, I mean, if if you look at, like, the Gamma Quadrant, I'm sitting there going, you know, they only really touched about 10% of the Gamma Quadrant because the 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 Dominion is kind of backed up against the rim. Yep. So you have from the rim to, you know, uh, the edge of Federation space, which is a shit ton of space with nothing known. Voyager jumped you know they they would span you know in a couple you know like three thousand light years or or whatever in a certain couple spans so they might have only touched upon 10 percent of their entire quadrant like there was so much left to 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 be able to create but mingle the pot and change relationships you know like uh, after the dominion war and and the 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 losses suffered and whatnot. Like the, to me, the Klingons were just holding and, and just like with their by their fingertips onto what they had. Mm-hmm. So in order to be less of a paper tiger, time paper to expand. Tiger. And you know, I was trying to do that by introducing more of the Gorn and you know, kind of really again bridge the gap between all the series and mix the the races together so things felt more connected. Um, you know, as the Klingons went to the Gorn and the Federation, the Gorn negotiations, the Federation's like, no, fuck you guys, you can't do this. So I pulled the Klingons out of the Federation space diplomatically. Like, they were still, I won't say friendly, but they weren't antagonistic. Like, they weren't in a, in a war because that's been done before. Right. Um, but I wanted to take them out to open the door because in my universe, I still have the Romulan Star Empire, which is a vastly underused um uh peace i was going to increase the diplomatic relationships between the romulan empire and the federation and uh um take this ship and put ambassadors on the ship because the ship was going to be in a lot of different places between the gamma quadrant the delta quadrant and for the federation to use slipstream as as they were if the other races couldn't have that same technology, they want at least the benefit of knowing what the fuck was going on out there. Right. So I could have these different, you know, uh, uh, these different empires and races and, and cultures represented at any time. 
so I could I could brush Romulans and Klingons together against you know the Kazons or the Fideans or whatever I wanted to do, and I think the and and having the the starship being captained by an Andorian and you know mixing the Vulcans with other new races too that were introduced, and I think my 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 greatest character creation was the first Jem'Hadar officer, you know, oh, who wow. was, who was, um, because they touched on that in one of the episodes of Deep Space Nine, when, when they came across like this, um, uh, place for, for babies. I forget what the, the, the fuck the name of the place a was. A nursery? Yeah. Like a nursery. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they had this, yeah, place for babies, you know, what, like fire truck, what's that truck for fires? Um, <laughs> But they open oh, it up man. and they and they found this uh, Jem'Hadar baby in this nursery mm-hmm. that was left abandoned in Cardassian space after the Dominion pulled out. And when they brought it in and they raised it, and they knew what they had because they already did this once before on Deep Space Nine. Well, given that this Jem'Hadar was an alpha, because in in that in the Dominion War, they had the Gamma Jem'Hadars and they had the Alpha Jem'Hadars. They had Jem'Hadars that were bred specifically to, to battle in this quadrant. Well, without the war going anymore and no presence in the Alpha Quadrant, the Dominion didn't want him back. Of course not. So, you know, he's like, well, you know, fuck this. If you guys don't want me back and I've got nowhere to go, what what other alternative do I have than to, to go with the people who actually didn't kick me out? So he gave the Starfleet a shot. So it would be, it was kind of a neat deal to see how I forget. I think it was like 15 years. My series took place like 15 years after the dominion war, where now you have even generations of people coming up after the war, people who don't remember like Bajorans. Cause I was going to have a Federation or a Starfleet Academy on Bajor and have, and reinstore Commodores to, because space was getting bigger and everything couldn't be centralized on Earth. So I wanted to kind of spread things out more. Um, you know, and have Bajor be a nice, like almost second Earth yeah. for, for the Federation. And, and so I had a lot of things I wanted to do with it that I still, I mean, I've got a good amount started. Um, you know, I just, it's just time and focus to get back into it. Right. You know, that, that's always been my problem because I, was um at one point I like right before Marvel Anthology closed I pitched you my Dead Devil my Dead Devil my <laughs> Deadpool and uh, Alias series and yeah. you're like yeah go ahead and start writing it and then I never wrote it and then Marvel Anthology closed and then I even reached out to Marvel 2000 and I they're like yo we love it start writing it and I never wrote it yeah and so so I completely get it and I like. The funny thing is, I've actually resorted to telling my Deadpool and Alias stories on the podcast. There's actually <laughs> now three episodes where containing like three issues, so to speak, of me saying, of me just going through what would happen if I was writing this whole issue yeah. of Deadpool Alias. And so I get it, man, because I mean, that was always my hardest thing, too, was like, especially since Aaliyah's been born, it's difficult. Um, but even before, like, it was just like, it's like, all right, I need to sit down and write something. And I'd be like, uh, uh, and 
I, I think my problem is more excuses and stuff. Like sometimes I would I would kind of get in get in that mode where it's like, okay, I'm go I have these plans. I want to do this, everything. But it, it's 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 just wild how somehow it's changed from. It mostly just comes down to the time and commitment because whenever you go in like Derek's Facebook page and stuff, you send me Darrow and stuff. He's yeah. like, he's like, you shouldn't be on Facebook. You should be writing. I <laughs> know. Like, when I go, Derek, you have God like 40 it, posts today. Be. You have like 40 posts today, Derek. You're retired also. So you did write. <laughs> so I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it's, it's the same. I mean, you're married now too. So it's, yes. it's, you got to spend time watching, you know, Watching TV, sitting next to the wife on the couch for the TV shows you guys share, and yeah, um, I'll be surprised if I'm still married after October's over. Because with all these podcasts I've been doing, with all these guests and stuff, I don't know if my marriage is strong enough. I'm hoping it is. So well, far, you'll so have good. enough guest stars to uh, make up for the lonely nights. Yeah, I guess so. Hopefully, hopefully my uh, my uh, plays and my. And all the feedback and all the adulation I get from these great podcasts will replace the void of my child not living with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we all need something. Yeah, we got We got to have something, man. Oh, man, I had no like you had told me about Star Trek a little bit, but I didn't realize that it went that that you had that much planned out. That's oh, that's God, incredible, yeah. man. Well, because I, I got and I like most most things, and you know, and, and I guess people have a process. Like, I have things for characters, because, I mean, Star Trek's big and, and, and whatnot, so I have, like, this little character Bible written out just because, again, for as long as it takes me to get around to shit, there's probably stuff I wrote down that I forget. So I read through this character Bible going, oh, that's right. Oh, that was a good idea. So, you know, I mean, I, I got I got character bios written out for, for things because it also helps me sit here and go, I could make a little tie-in here. All I could but I won't, you know, like one of the, one of the episodes where Worf was jumping around in this episode called parallels. So he was hitting different parallel realities with himself in it. Yeah. And you know, one of the funny things was is that, so when, when people realized that Worf was jumping, he somehow still kept the, the rank and responsibilities of the Worf of that universe. Like oh, when he really? became the first officer of the enterprise, but people who knew it wasn't that Worf, but yeah, he's still the first officer. Like, how does that shit make sense, right? But at the end of the episode, they reset it. So I'm like, well, what if I had a character who who is a refugee from an alternate universe, but he didn't go back? So he knows, maybe he knows things a little different. Um, things that, you know, because it would be a different history. Um, and I think I actually even made that character a trill so i could have played it one of two ways like the slug in the chest could have been what was left over from the alternate reality so yeah. i have a person who has the the host brain of this world with the slug brain of a different world and just have him fuck things up all the time because he doesn't know which memory he's remembering um see ladies and gentlemen this is this is why Eric is who he is and why we're such good friends. Like this is the way that my brain works sometimes when I get really in my bag and start thinking about all these different ideas I have or just different things for different characters. Like I remember as a kid that I used to like literally, especially when I started writing fan fiction, I would be in my bed and I'd be like trying to think of issues and stuff. 
while I'm trying to fall asleep. And my dad came in one night. He's like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, trying to fall asleep. He's like, why are you so noisy? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, I was, I was, uh, hadn't even realized that I was literally walking myself through the whole issue. I was podcasting in my room before podcasting was even a thing. Um, and talking about this Spider-Man thing I wanted to do. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. He's like, what are you doing? Why aren't you asleep? I'm like, uh, my bad. <laughs> Let yeah. me roll over and go to sleep. So, so yeah, the well runs deep when it goes deep. It does. Once it's opened. Well, and, and that's the problem. It's like in my head, it's never been shut. So mm-hmm. all these stories I've told myself. So that's another problem when I sit down. It's like, I've already told this story. Like, <laughs> how do I tell something or tell this story in a different way that I haven't told to myself so I can show myself new things. Well, speaking of new things. Yeah. This is a terrible segue, but (laughs) you did actually write something with Derek not too long ago. Yeah, that's right. Because Derek, of course, has Dylan, the, the adventurer, the, the world renowned man of action, so to speak, has several books. And you've been published in one of those books at this point, correct? Has that come out yet, or is that going to be in the annual? Um, that's going to be in an annual. I, okay. Actually, I just, about three or four weeks ago, proofread the version that's going in the book. Nice. Um, yeah, no, no, I mean, listen, I can't. I the can't, proofread version? I can't owe Derek enough thanks for, for actually, A, I'll, I'll, giving me the opportunity to write a character he he created like this isn't uh an adaptation of a you know this isn't batman or or something like that this is a character he made this is this is his his this is his brain child yes um so being able to 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 have the opportunity to play with that his property um but also to be to be afforded an opportunity to be published is 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 incredible yeah, this will be your first thing you ever get published, correct? Yeah, and probably only, but I mean, oh, hopefully stop. not. <laughs> first and last. Uh-huh, well, you know. Oh, um, hi. But no, it, um, yeah, so so he's got this uh, character named Dylan. And it's it's very much like a, a an homage to Doc Savages and Indiana Jones. Yes, and, it is. Uh, you know, just an adventurer person. And I mean, anybody who's who's been involved with adventure movies from the Goonies, just, you know, you can you can do anything that you want, you know, and in and, 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 and these journeys, you know, it's like the, the old sword and sandal movies going back to uh, uh, Jason and the Argonauts from like the old Harry Ray Harryhausen movies with the stop motion animation creatures and shit that I used to watch with my dad. Um so and 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 Derek's got a, a really unique way of blending this react this like this I, I you know I uh like grounded fantasy like pulling something out of his ass but there's just enough there to go yeah that's that's not you know that unfeasible I guess you know to to, to believe like something like that could happen um no not at all I agree but he. he so in all these books, um, which I would, you know, 100 percent recommend, you know, people go find um, yes, Dylan, the voice of Odin and the Golden the Bell, uh, Pirates yeah. of Zonaria. I'm sure he's going to kill me for the 
pronunciation. No, you got it. Zanaria. That's how I've always said it. Okay, Zanaria. Yeah. Uh, you know, four bullets for Dylan. He's I. I actually. Um, What's for Dylan? Somewhere in my basement's a comic of Dylan that Russ Anderson was generous enough to send me. Oh, nice. You have one um, of the comics. Yeah, I do. I think I have the PDF somewhere on my external, but I don't have the actual, actual print or anything. Yeah, I know. I got an actual print, and um, I do have um, a Dylan novel on my bookshelf somewhere, too. The old show-off, that's what you are. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I do what I can. Well, um, the, the cool thing about this is not only are you being published, and not only did you get to play in the sandbox, and then Derek said, hey, let's write this together, and it could be on my pa- Patreon, but you're effort of saying hey i have this idea for dylan what do you think and then it blossoming into this collaboration you're essentially responsible for the next set of the next dylan book that's coming out which is the one that has him doing book has uh, stories written by like you and and mark bosquet and a whole bunch of other people correct yeah 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 well i mean i don't know if i'm I'm the catalyst for it but it was you, a- you are the catalyst I, i've read i read his blog you're totally the catalyst because you're the first one to ask all right. Well, I mean, I, I'll, t- I'll take that. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, well, stop. You're because, well, no, it, because I mean, and, 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 yeah, this, uh, this is Derek's written a lot of fantastical stories, but in one of the bios for, for Dylan, he writes, well, you know, when Dylan takes vacations, he doesn't take vacations. He does, he doesn't just go to like the pool by Las Vegas. And not to say he doesn't go to the pool at Las Vegas. He, sh- I'm sure he does, but, in his vacations, he just disappears. Right. He'll he'll show up randomly in some place and just do a job. Just like, I don't know, flipping burgers at McDonald's or being a, a librarian's assistant or just whatever. You know, to just just to do things. And I'm like get that life experience. What you know, I mean, granted, my book wasn't all him in this, you know, but I, I definitely wanted to kind of touch on it. Just like what's Dylan or or who is Dylan when he's not adventuring? Like what what does this character do when he's, you know, kind of uh, lack of a better term, like letting his hair down? Um, You know, so I, I pitched my idea to Derek to say, listen, I, I have this idea and we'll certainly get to the normal stuff in a Dylan book, you know, where he's fighting whatever it is in some aliens, you know, fantastical place and, you know, dealing with dangerous Egypt. threats and, and whatnot. But I'm like, I just, I kind of want to touch on this. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I just, I wanted to touch on this idea of what's Dylan like when he's just being a person. And, um, you know, so, so the, the premise of my story started out where he wanted, he was going to go to, he was in Mexico specifically to do the thing he was going to there to do, which is what he eventually does when he's kind of pushed into it. Yes. Um, but when he was passing through this town and he, and he, you know, set up shop for a night, he decided to just stay for a little bit because what he was going to do wasn't that pressing or important. So he's like, well, let me see what these people think about what this is. And I'll get to know these people. I'll play. I mean, I didn't I, I'd love to have done something where he was actually playing baseball. 
and and maybe I'll do that and just kind of like old like X Men books. That would have been awesome. You know, just just what's what's Dylan like when he's playing ba- you know baseball and knowing that he's got certain uh, advantages physically and. So, you know, what position does he play to kind of a take advantage of his advantages, but stop. downplay him so it doesn't look like he's he's the superhuman. Right. Um, so and, and maybe maybe that's that's still in the back burner somewhere. Um, but, you know, he, he was tending bar and washing dishes and doing work on the farm and talking to um, the guy that that, you know, allowed him into his house. And how does he fit in with the people that he's living with? And, you know, how do they accept him and, and stuff like that? So it was just, uh, you know, something that I, I would have that I would have liked to have seen. And I says, well, fuck it. I said, you know, if, if I want to see it. Let me go in. Let, let me do it. And Derek's like, yeah, yeah, go go right ahead. You know, like it's almost like, you know, thanks for asking, but why are you asking? Because I mean, I've known Derek for for a long enough time, so I mean, um, same, same. You know, so it 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 would be quite different if some stranger came up to him and said, "Hey, do you mind?" And people probably like, "Yeah, I mind." Like, who the hell are you? Um, <laughs> the craziest thing about Derek to me is like you see pictures of Derek on the internet, and you hear Derek's voice. Like, if you've listened to Better Than Dark, or if you've heard him on his podcast with. Uh, superhero cinephiles uh, that he has with um with Perry now yeah and like he, he has this real deep voice and everything and you see he's this, this big guy it's like man this dude's super intimidating like he he has this aura of badassery around him and then as soon as you talk to Derek though and as soon as like it doesn't take long for Derek to know whether he's going to mess with you or not and so <laughs> it does not no and so if Eric, if he's going to give you the time of day like. Derek is one of the nicest, sweetest, most welcoming, encouraging people that I that I know. Like seriously, like if I had a problem and I was like, man, I really have nobody to talk to, I would literally call Derek because Derek will sit there and take the time to just listen to me yeah. and he will give me input and he will just be a good friend in that moment. Derek is just such a good dude that like he, he will literally give you the shirt off his back. He doesn't want to. He doesn't yeah. want to be out in the cold. He doesn't want everybody to see him chest out. But if you need that shirt, he's going to do it. Well, it was um, and and Derek's the type of person who will tell you straight up how it is. Yes. But he's got such a delivery, what doesn't come off like what the fuck does this person just say to me? <laughs> like it's not. It, it, it's very much like, oh shit, yeah, he's right. You know, and he just, it's just saying like this matter of fact, like, well, why are you looking at it that way? Stupid. Like, it's like this. And he goes like, oh shit. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like he's got, yeah, he's got a very good approach and I, I feel bad. I haven't talked to him in, in, a, in a long time. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I know. I, I, I like their Here, conversations let me, I'm, I'm going to call him on Skype right now. Like, Hey Derek, what's up? We're recording a podcast <laughs> and now you're on it. And now and you're Derek, on it. So say hi. And Derek would just be like. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, what's going on? I, I was just over here watching watching some movies with, with Patricia. And she's like, why you got that full TV on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, no, he, uh, yeah, he's like, no, yeah, go go right ahead. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, and, you know, thank, thank God Derek was, uh, 
you know, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I can, I can do this. We can do that. I'm like, listen, I'm not, you know, I mean, it just, once, once I'm done, I mean, the story's yours. I mean, it's not, I'm not, I just, I just wanted to see what this would be like. And I just, I was like, well, fuck it. I'll, I'll give it a shot. If I want, you know, like what the, you know, the, the old saying, if you want something done, do it, you know? And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to try to pitch a story to Derek and be like, Oh, this is what you should write. Derek, Derek's going to write what he wants to write. And God bless him for it because everything he writes is fucking genius. It's you know, gold. It's, yes. it's gold. Um, you if know, you so I'm not, write I'm not the Bible and you would make it a hundred percent more relatable and readable to me. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you know, it was I'm not going to sit there and be like, "Oh, this is what you should do." It's like, "Well, who the fuck are you to tell me what I should do?" <laughs> you know, you want it done, go do it. And it's like, yeah. So, so you know, that's that's what it was. But it was, yeah. I mean, I couldn't have 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 had any more support for it. And you know, he he took the ideas and he's like, "Well, maybe maybe you know, push it a little bit this way or push it a little bit that way." And I was like, "Yeah, you know what? You're you're right. I'll push it a little bit this way or that." And he goes, "We'll try to keep it at about." you know, I don't know, like 15,000 words and it ended up being like 30 or whatever. He's like, eh, you know, sometimes it happens. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. He, he does not care at all, man. Derek is just, is just super chill, man. Yeah. The, the world needs more Derek in its life. To be completely honest with you. It does. All right. So published author, fanfic legend, uh, my friend who drove down from Buffalo, uh, Star Trek, nerd who has a whole entire fanfic series laid out in his head hey don't think we're not done getting caught up one of these days you need to fucking make it out to a movie with myself and clayton i, I know i i mean i have a standing invite to your house in buffalo too so i need to well need to you make know that move too and and funny enough and i know you're trying to wrap this up but i'm not gonna let you yet <laughs> no no but, you're uh, fine because we haven't no. even talked about wrestling yet no, we haven't. But like talking, talking with Derek and I, you know, I, this goes back to like almost the, the first Thor, you know, a couple of times it's like, yeah, you know, so I made a couple arrangements to try to get out there and, and, um, you know, things would always kind of come up and it's like, yeah, I can't do this. So I, I still owe a trip out to Brooklyn, um, at some point. So yeah. I, I should call Derek and put him on notice that I'm going to make my ass to fucking Brooklyn. Um, because yeah. it's just, it's just going to happen. I I owe him a and, visit and, and I owe and Tom dude, a visit. Let's do it. Make your way up to here. We'll drive in together. We'll have fucking cigars and steaks in Brooklyn, man. Oh, that 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 sounds that sounds amazing. Well, like, let's 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 do it tomorrow. In fact, I'm just gonna call off work tomorrow, and I'm gonna drive up to Buffalo, and we'll just surprise Derek and Tom tomorrow. Done. How's that sound? Done. Do it now. Only problem is I don't have money until Halloween. <laughs> so <laughs> you're going to have to give me a bunch of money so I can put gas in my car and get the Buffalo first. And then we'll figure it out from there. I'll send you the PayPal. Oh man. You're good. You're a good man. Eric from, um, yeah. Like I, I told Derek when, when was it? Oh, like a few years ago, we moved my um, sister-in-law up to, um, to the Heights, to Washington Heights. And I was literally in New, like in New York proper. That's the only time I've been in New York. I was there. Dude, I still haven't for, been. In, in terms of my state, New York state, I haven't been geographically past Syracuse. Wow. That's, that's crazy. See, that, see, not say that, but there's parts of West Virginia I've never been to. I've never been like southern, southern West Virginia. I've been to Parkersburg. I think that's mm -hmm. the furthest south I've been um, and actually have stayed at. That I'm aware of, like Point Pleasant. I don't know where that's at, but I've been there and we stayed there one weekend. But I, I get it, like especially when you're in a big ass state like that, 
in one of the largest states in the United States. Yeah, I, I think I, you I don't think have any reason that... to go down there unless you're you're going down there to, I don't know, for to see something, you know. Well, that's right. Derek would have been my reason. Um, right. I think I figured out that it'd been damn near an eight-hour drive to do it. Like it, it was, it was faster for me to go through New York, Pennsylvania into West Virginia to see you than it would be just to drive through New York to get there. That's nice, man. Wow. Because, like I said, I was in, I was literally in the Heights for a cup of coffee. And then I left. And I told Derek, like, in, at some point I talked to him. I was like, hey, I was in New York, but I had to leave immediately and I didn't have time to be like, I didn't mention I have friends in Brooklyn and I have said this before to people. I'm like, I got friends in Brooklyn. Like all, all I got to do is get to Brooklyn, man. Like if I get to Brooklyn, all I got to do is call Derek. Like I got their phone numbers. Like I'll call Derek, I'll call Tom and I I'll, I got a place to go. I'm not worried about any of that. I just never made it, man. So let, let's, we need to mark that down. We need to go to Brooklyn and find Derek and find Tom. We need to do it. We do. We do. As, as the more, cause this this year we're not getting any younger year, no dude i'm fucking 40 there's no way i'm getting any younger um <laughs> i know but the Running more a joke the more i travel for airsoft like i said i've been actually now because in my in my local area i have like three or four fields i could play at so technically i don't ever have to leave but if i want to do something more or different i do um so you know going to ohio and and pennsylvania to play which some of these some of these places take like almost four hours to drive to. Um, it's like, why am I not out more? You know, so I I, I 100 percent be like, I should just be like, fuck it. Let's just get in the car and do it. Like, what do you know? There's no point. To not Airsoft, to. According to Wikipedia, Airsoft was first played in 1970s Japan. Yeah, no, it was it's 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 old. It's it's. <laughs> I'll just yeah, Japan it. started it. And it just <laughs> like, it's I'm been it. it's been huge in Europe for a long time. It's I mean it's been it's it's big here, but not you know it's not like a way of life as I'm sure in most places. Yeah, no, I completely get it. it but dude, it's we, banned in Australia. Is it? Yeah. You know why? Because Australia actually cares about the people that lives in its country. <laughs> but it's like it's too close to a real weapon. Let's uh, I know, know but they got with... they got like two foot two foot you know, white spiders there that should legitly be like fucking, oh my God, bang, bang, bang. That's Mother Nature, though. What can you do against that? I don't know. Besides Nothing. scream and burn the planet down. Exactly. Um. So, so yeah, we, we do need to, I, I, I want to do more road trips. I want to get to Brooklyn. I, I'm, I'm going to say, I mean, it's 2019. Like, we're not getting younger. You're 40. I'm going to be 37. I'm going closer to 37 than I am 36 now. Yeah. So, we, like, then we I'm closer to, to 41. Oh, you're old. <laughs> That's all we used to do in the chat room. Like, like, hey, shut up, Fromm. You're you're old and you don't have a girlfriend. Ha, ha, ha. And then he's the first one to get married. Yeah, he, so fuck you. <laughs> fuck you guys. Ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that, that's how Fromm rose. So you want to talk do some, it all out of spite. That's okay. Do you want to talk some professed rest? Dude, of course I do. <laughs> How um how long have you been into wrestling, man? Like, uh, are you like me, where I came back when the pipe bomb happened, 
And, and I, I say I came back. I was watching Raw. Like I would turn Raw on if I was home on Mondays, but mm-hmm. I was not really pay invested in it, you know, beyond what a couple of little things. But I wasn't invested. It was just on. And then once the pipe bomb happened, that's what got me back into professional wrestling. So, like, how long have you been either back or have you never left? And I just never realized. Oh, no, I left. I okay. <laughs> I was done. Listen, I started wrestling easily since, like, about WrestleMania 3. Like, I've been I've been watching this shit forever. I remember when, when Scott Hall debuted as Razor Ramon really? in his... In the promos where he's walking down Miami and he's like, hey, Chico, you know, you come around here and I'll pick up this orange and I'll talk about this person as I throw him into this fresh bunch of produce, man. And it's like, <laughs> dude, it's fucking Razor Ramon, right? Uh, and and I remember like the rockers and right when when Shawn Michaels threw Gennetti through the window, I was there for all that shit. Like that's Hell yeah, that's when that's that was my my birth into wrestling man you know ah fucking piper and and all that so i was with it i was with it right up until the uh wwf and i'll say wwf because i don't like wwe no one's gonna sue me it's cool (laughs) well wwf's just a lot easier to say for me yeah Um, i understand but right, and and at the time it was still WWF. But whatever. So at, right up until WWF bought WCW and then started doing the invasion angles, is when I eventually just punched right out. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't just jump. So you you just, you went through a lot of the bad wrestling that happened in the nineties. Then you stuck with all that. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, but just the whole invasion angle and the doing. You know all the all these types of different brand splits, and then they tried bringing the ECW back, but it really wasn't ECW, and it's like, what? What's all this? Yes. You know, so I wasn't there for like the ruthless aggression era with Angle and Cena and all that. So when I ruthless aggression, uh, what do you bring? Ruthless aggression. I was like, oh, here we go. Like, <laughs> what's this? Uh, thugonomic Cena, but um. Yeah, so I, I I missed all that, and and I well I won't even really use the word miss because I really didn't give a shit. I didn't miss yeah. anything. Um, but you know I I don't know if it was necessarily the pipe bomb itself, but Punk CM Punk definitely got me back. Um, yeah, because no matter no matter what the angle was or how shitty the booking was. He sold the angle because here's here's what made like the Attitude Era great, which any any angle today that's worth a lick of anything is when they have just enough of a shoot in it. So like Attitude and they're bringing in and they're talking about real life stuff. And they're mixing that into the arcs. It it grounded things, and it's like, oh shit! Like this, it just I don't know, just somehow was better. Yeah, and Punk had that ability to just ground it in what actually felt like something that was really happening, like the way his he would he would promo, the way he talked, the way he 
He wrestled, sold it. Um, so he he brought me back, and I quickly noticed though that anytime he wasn't on, everything was just kind of <laughs> so. You know, and and in my opinion, he should have one thousand percent been the one to break the streak. Yes, um, I, I was just saying that the other day. Um, I, I forget what I was talking about with somebody, but I was like, um, oh, oh, someone who was asking me about. Oh, it, it was um, my friend Marcus, who is my semi-regular co-host on here. Um, yeah, he was saying uh, he was watching Taker and Brock for the first time um at wrestlemania 30 and he's like he's like yo that crowd went nuts like they had no idea what was coming i was like yeah and he's like whose call is that i was like it was taker's call and all this stuff it's like honestly though it should have been punk because if anything like i we could spend 40 minutes talking about the disrespect we that could, punk went through but it it worked but it worked for the it worked for that angle yeah like because they do when cm punk is juggling Paul Bearer's urn and he drops it was one of the best things I've ever fucking seen. Or when CM Punk was dressed as one of the druids and he jumped the undertaker. And then when he was, when he was in the match and he's walking the ropes and he's doing the undertaker moves old school and he's selling for the undertaker. Like nobody sold for the undertaker in years. Not certainly not Bray Wyatt, certainly not Lesnar. And mm-hmm. and I'll and listen, I, I I know Lesnar gets a lot of shit because he's part-time and he doesn't show up. But when Lesnar sells, that motherfucker sells. Yes, he does. Yeah, when I he, said that recently too. Absolutely. You know, so so no matter what, Lesnar still gets a lot of credit for me because he 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 works. Um you know, but I just I didn't like it because the problem with with WWE booking is aside from the fact that it's their 50-50 booking and nothing ever makes any fucking sense. <laughs> they don't know how to create arcs. So the problem is when things happen, they don't really mean anything. Right. You know, like so Lesnar breaking the Undertaker's streak didn't really mean anything because it didn't actually it didn't help Lesnar. Like the, the my thing is is that for for something to happen there should be a reaction and a benefit. And for Punk to have ended the Undertaker streak following that arc would have pushed CM Punk into the stratosphere. Yes. And there is no way in any layer of the nine realms of hell can anybody tell me that there that CM Punk could not have ran with that for the next 20 something years. Yeah. You know, um, and, and have ridden that wave into the next 16 arcs. You know, like yep. everything to me just made sense for that. And then, you know, hearing after the fact, everything that was going on behind the scenes, it goes, yeah, you kind of you can kind of see how everything's fucked up. And uh, I mean, you can still see it now. I mean, Vin- Vince McMahon is easily the worst thing that's happening to his his company. Yeah. Um, Which isn't a secret. And the problem is, is that it's it, it's funny how it's not a secret. And it's funny how it doesn't matter. Like Vince McMahon has to know he's wrecking his company. And then he pulls 
the fiend versus Rollins out of his ass and laughs at the crowd. Uh, and goes, ha, 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 these assholes. And it's like, <laughs> how hard is it? How hard is it to just let Bray walk in and dominate Seth? How hard is that? And, well, listen, and the crazy been, thing is. They've and, been and, fucking up Bray Wyatt for years. Oh, though. I know. I know. The crazy thing is, like, you think about, you were just mentioning Lesnar. When Lesnar, the year Lesnar beat the Undertaker is the same year that he beat Cena at SummerSlam with the 16 suplexes and yeah. dominated Cena. There was nothing wrong with Seth walking into that match and get, taking the ass whooping and losing that freaking belt. It would not have hurt anybody it in that not. scenario. But they're so worried, and they've been booking Seth just like Cena. Like, like we used Probably to make fun they of are Cena. Seth. It's funny you say that. Him losing the belt would not have hurt Seth no. when all they're doing now is destroying Seth. Yeah. They are 100%. They are ruining everything that they've built up with Seth. And the thing is, like, I, we used to make fun of, like, like, oh, yeah, Super Cena, ha, ha, ha. He never loses. Cena always wins. LOL, Cena wins. And, like, yeah, Cena won a lot. Cena won a ton. That's just how it was booked. Cena had influence over it. Whatever. It's dead and buried. But the way that Seth has been booked since he lost that belt to Brock um, on the Money in the Bank, and yeah. then, like, he came right back and beat Brock, he beat Braun, like, there's nothing that Seth hasn't been able to do. Like, he's literally running through walls. And it's like... Yeah. That's not working for him. It's like, not because he's not that person. No. Like, why do y'all continue? Like, they're trying, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to book him like he's the man. They're trying to beck him, book him like he's Becky. He's not Becky. Becky is her own thing and has gotten her own ascension on her own right and has done it yeah. and within the whole guidelines of what the company's given her. They want to. They how, want how, them to be a power couple. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying it's it's kind of funny how Becky Lynch is really the only person who built herself up that actually benefited from it from it. Yeah. Because the the funny thing was is that you look at a character like Rusev, who after he lost <sighs> Cena, completely lost all credibility as this wrecking ball threat. Like yep. after he went through the big slow and Mark and sexual chocolate, Mark Henry and how he wrecked everybody. He gets beat by Cena, much like Bray Wyatt. And now he's a joke. So he built himself back up with Rusev day. Didn't yes, get did. the respect for it from, from booking the crowd gave him that. And then the crowd gave like, and I always go back to this. The year Batista came back to the Rumble was Roman Reigns' year. Dude, it totally was. I was there. I was in that and crowd that night. Everybody, including myself. And and listen, I, 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 I can't hold any of this against Roman Reigns. Listen, I don't want him anywhere near the main event. I'm glad he's not near the main event. <laughs> and it's not because of him, but because of what they did with Batista. Because if they read the crowd right... And they gave it to Roman over because everybody knew what was going to happen. And that has been part of the WWE's problem is the predictability because they've been doing everything the exactly the way. way you knew it was going to happen. Yep. And which adds to the frustration because it's like, well, of course they did that. Batista comes back. Oh, guess where he's going to go? WrestleMania. And guess what? He won the Rumble. So guess where he's going? WrestleMania. Well, nobody wants that. Nobody wants what they they can predict 
because your your shitty booking is just making it obvious. If it was built organically and naturally like Roman Reigns was, and he got the Rumble, that would have been huge. And if he got the belt, you would see a completely different Roman Reigns today than you do have now because they gave it to him A, too late when they realized, oh, shit, and now we're just going to force him down everybody's throat. Yeah. At the expense of everybody. And I, I've never had anything against Roman. And it's like the thing is, they should have done it in 14 because everybody got behind Roman. The crowd organically was like, we don't want Batista. Give it to Roman. Yeah. Figure it out later. Whatever. Give and it then to they Roman. And then they had to fix it with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And the thing is, we were, we were pissed Daniel Bryan wasn't in the damn Rumble. Because he had lost to Bray earlier that night at the Royal Rumble, and then he was nowhere to be found in the Rumble match. And yeah. this whole city, well, not the whole city, everybody in that arena la- that night was pissed. And, like, and, and now they are every single night, so. Right. Um. So the predictability sucks. Um, I'm, I'm probably the most unattached to WWE that I have been in a while. Like, ever since pretty much... WrestleMania 35, once that completed, like it, I've just slowly watched this company unravel, like the main shows, like mm-hmm. SmackDown and and then Raw and like Becky is still the main thing that they, they are doing correctly. Well, they Becky, seem... Because Becky Lynch developed organically. Yes. They tried to turn her heel. The crowd said, fuck you. Becky Lynch is not turning heel. Yep. And and they the crowd put her exactly where she should be, and it works. And I'm happy with the fact that she's still a champ. She's still representing and doing what she can. Mm-hmm. But she's the only person who who developed that way that benefited from it because it was almost like because here's my problem. Vince McMahon says nobody reaches for the brass ring, but anybody who who reached for the brass ring got stepped on because it wasn't who Vince wanted. Yep. So Vince was like, well, it's not who I want, so fuck him. I want this person. And nobody got what they wanted. I was in the crowd. The Raw came here, and it was, um, I think, I forget. It was Roman Reigns. They were doing, like, two qualifying matches. So they had, like, it was a a fatal four-way for two matches or whatever it was. Okay, yeah. And... I forget who the other person was. Um, I don't know, like Shelton Benjamin, maybe? I don't remember, because I really... <laughs> uh, who knows? Who but knows, yeah. they were building up this feud, and then they had to back the feud off because they realized they were fucking it up. But then they had Roman Reigns win the first match, and it was the first match of the night. And the problem is that crowd was so hot for Finn Balor when he started making his way up, everybody's like, oh my God, could this be? Could this do it? And you could feel, I could feel the energy in that crowd skyrocket. It was phenomenal. And then Roman won it and it deflated the crowd. And then at the end, at the end of that match, I looked at my friend and I go, well, I know how the second match is going to end. This person's going to win it. And guess what? At the end of the night, that person won it and nobody gave a fuck. Because they projected right away where they were going with it. Because they tried the feud before. And then when it didn't work, 
they had to do this to try to get everybody's to, to, to build a reason why these two people were fighting again just for Roman Reigns to beat them. Right. Like it was it deflated the entire crowd for the entire night. Nobody gave a shit what happened in any match after that. Well, one of the things that pisses me off right now is Kofi, because Kofi took that F5 and lost in less than the time it took for a GIF on Twitter to, to run through. Yeah. And then next week, Kofi's back out there tossing pancakes. Like, yeah. all right, guys. Well, that, that was fun. Like, yeah. do, do you not even care? <laughs> like, even a little bit, not even cut a promo. Like, you're like, oh, well, I guess that's it, you know? Because they're not going to let him. Because they don't want they don't want the attention taken away from Lesnar now. Especially now that they brought in Kane Velasquez for whatever oh. the fuck reason. Oh. You know, you talk about... You talk about how nobody wants to reach for the brass ring, but you bring in Tyson Fury and Cain Velasquez. Yeah, two of them. And it's like two non-wrestlers. Two non-wrestlers. And then you promote them on Crown Jewel and then promote Crown Jewel as potentially a bigger show than WrestleMania or whatever the last goddamn Saudi show was. Mm -hmm. Oh, this could be bigger than WrestleMania. Like, you're shitting on your Super Bowl for, for a house show. That that nothing ever happens at. Like, there's no way that this Bray and Seth thing doesn't end. Like they say, it can't be stopped for any reason. Like, I'm well, waiting for something stupid to happen well, and listen, this match gets stopped. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and, and this is the problem. So after Punk, right? So after Punk left, I started to gravitate at least towards the Shield because I wanted to find things to give a shit about. Right. And she was broke super up cool, this, super high. And then they yeah. And then they broke them up. So I'm like, all right, well, let me see if there's anything really worth kind of following out in this. And I forget at the time what it was because it, it turned out to be irrelevant. Like everything was. Everything that you could have developed an interest in in this company always turns out to be irrelevant because it goes nowhere. Um so then I stopped, I stopped watching. And then something would happen. I jumped back in for a month and then jump right back out and then something would happen i'd want to so then bray wyatt so i'm like holy shit well what's this and then they started doing this thing with the 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 firefly fun houses and i always thought they kind of fucked up bray like i would have loved to seen the original bray wyatt before him turned into the fiend yes go backwards like when when tyler breeze was still part of the show right so you got bray wyatt who does this stuff and his whole angle with with Cena and the, the whole choir of the kids and all that shit was was pretty fucking neat. They did a yeah. decent things with them, but just again, made it irrelevant. Yes. Um yes they did. But if you wanted to build up Bray, then you then you do what the mid card is for. You bring him back and Tyler Breeze does this thing with uh his selfies, right? <laughs> yes. So he, Tyler Breeze walking to his car on the phone doing a selfie thing. And this could be what they use like social media for because they don't use Facebook or anything hardly as much as they really should. They started kind of with the 24-7 championship, like when Jinder Mahal pinned R-Truth on a golf course, which is fucking hilarious. But they don't do that anymore. Um, But anyway, so he's on the phone. He's doing his little selfie things. He gets in the car and you see in the selfie a shadow in his backseat. And then you hear the Bray Wyatt laugh and then the phone falls and then, oh, my God. So the camera crew runs out and they see just Tyler Breeze wrecked to shit and go like, oh, my God, Bray Wyatt beat him up. Why? Vanity. 
pull the seven sins out. Every single wrestler yes. should have something that you could pinpoint to and have Bray Wyatt work his way through that mid-card roster to be like, oh, well, Tyler Breeze's vanity. I wrecked his shit. I'm going to go to this person who represents gluttony or lust like Adam Rose. You know, I'm going to go through him next and then build him up to bigger targets and have him actually beat them. Because Bray Wyatt has never won a feud other than Kane. And that was a garbage match. Oh, the Inferno match. Yes. Garbage match. But Bray Wyatt has never won a feud. So why should I give a shit how dangerous he is? Because I'm just going to beat him. I don't give a fuck he's creepy. Why? I know I'm going to win because he's beaten nobody of value. Again, it's 2018 and Bray Wyatt's never won a whole whole ass feud. That's just insane. He has not. He has not won a whole ass feud. Jeez. Um, and, And this one included. As the fiend. As this force of nature. This terrifying beast. He has not won a feud yet. Still. How's that even possible? He's supposed and and they were supposed they wanted to book him as this irresistible force. Well, guess who resisted him? The Golden Boy now. Seth Rollins, the Beast Slayer, the King Slayer, the Monster Slayer, the Fiend Slayer now. Like what the fuck? The terror that flaps in the night. <laughs> Let's get dangerous. Exactly. Um so now I don't care. That's the problem, is I wanted to care. All the Firefly Fun houses were brilliant. They were genius, and it was an evolution. They still kept Bray Wyatt. When he comes out with the lantern in its head, I was like, holy shit, this is brilliant. The the twist on his music from from that twang, that do-do-do-do, to this more death metal type of sound. I know. Brilliant. And now I How don't How did they care. get so many pieces right and then just bomb it Vince. every single Vince. time? Vince. Well, Okay, that Vince. was a rhetorical question. <laughs> Vince. Dude, I could repeat Vince for the next hour. All right, everybody. We're going to listen to Eric say Vince <laughs> until uh, 12.43 right, a.m. Vince. Um, but it's Vince. You didn't even go three times. Jeez, man. I know. I know. I let everybody down. I'm sorry. <sighs> it's okay. <laughs> but, I mean, and thank God for NXT. Because, yeah. I mean, I know AW had their fourth show, but I had NXT for a lot longer than that. I started watching NXT right after Kevin Owens got called up. So I wasn't like an, uh, uh, you know, uh, indoctrinated in NXT when it first started. Right after Kevin Owens, I jumped into NXT and I have not left. Don't it's even bring up Kevin show. Owens, me. God. It's the Someone first else. show I watch on Wednesday. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you, you can go through every single person they've called up and, and squandered. It's all of them, uh, except for the women now, it seems like. Yeah. But every every male they've called up from NXT has done absolutely fucking nothing. But whatever, irrelevant. I have NXT. So even when like Samoa Joe and Shinsuke and Finn Balor and, and the recent call-ups that almost gutted NXT until Triple H rebuilt it... Um, I have NXT and the hour on the network when it was, was great. You got four solid matches out of it. Um, a few short promos, but like Tom, Tommaso Ciampa came back a couple weeks ago now. Oh, I know. Right. Stared down the entire undisputed era. Got in the ring and just said, Goldie daddy's home. That was all he needed. 
Yep. He didn't get in there and say, well, you know, like a, a Seth Rollins speech. When I hurt my neck and I got down on myself and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I have the ability to do this anymore. But I have the <laughs> fans that backed me up and I'm out here with my healed neck because of every single one of you. And it's like, shut the fuck up. And, and, and he just, Goldie, daddy's home. And I was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. And that's it. And he just dropped the mic and said, fuck you. That's all I need to say. I don't need to say more. I don't need to blow the fans. I'm out here. Goldie, Daddy's home. Like, there's just so much in NXT. Champa is probably my favorite wrestler right now, dude. I gotta tell you, you know, and and, and I and 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 I know better with NXT because I'm when when they gave the belt to Chiapa, and I'm like, God, how is this gonna work? And I mean, of course, it worked out brilliant, but like when they gave it to Shinsuke, and when they gave it to Bobby Roode or or Drew McIntyre, and it's like, how is this gonna work? Like, I. I and then it works. And and it's like, why do I why do I doubt NXT? And it, it's like it works. Like the only thing I have a little issues with was Shayna Blazer holding the title for a while. I thought they would have dropped it to either EO or Candace right now, but yeah. we'll see. They still might. If they drive to Rhea Ripley, that'd be great. I love her. Um but it's like, well, how's this gonna work? And it does. And then Tommaso Ciampa and then especially Gargano and the, that feud that Vince oh fucked gosh. up when he called Unknowingly, everybody up four people out of NXT in the middle of this feud. Let's put them in a tag team, but they've only been in this massive feud for the last eight months or more. But let's put them in a tag team on the main shows. Fuck you. And then, oh, got an injury. Can't finish this feud out. Like, like, thanks, Vince. Um, yeah, seriously, brilliant, brilliant. Like, Tommaso is easily one of the best champs they've had. Um, brilliant and the fact that he's back now makes this brilliant and i'll tell you when they brought finn back and it's like how's this gonna work out and then they they do what they did with him on wednesday i don't know are you caught up yeah i'm completely caught up yeah dude when they did the fucking heel turn and he pele kicked gargano i'm like oh my god but it's brilliant because now it gives but now it gives gargano a feud it gives finn baller a feud without putting him in the middle of a title thing with Tommaso Ciampa. It doesn't it doesn't muddy the waters. It's and clean. You got the will that will he or won't he join the undisputed era thing going too. Because because yeah. obviously it, it went off it faded to black, but it's not like he was throwing up the um the UE or anything like that. Right. But still, I mean it leaves that that little that little they, thing. And then when you have AJ so and you have the O C saying saying hi Prince, we haven't seen you in a while. That's like that just sets everything up perfectly, man. Yeah, and it's nice continuity. It's nice that that the other people are kind of recognizing now what NXT is doing. And, um, you know, NXT is just not a separate thing from WWE, even though I want it to be, because I think the rest of the main main programs suck. Right. Um, and it's not for the lack of talent. They have an amazing amount of talent. They just don't know how to use them because everything becomes irrelevant. It doesn't Did matter you- what feud starts. It's irrelevant. Did you listen to the Moxley interview with Jericho? Um, I did. Okay. I did actually. Because that was that was right after um Double he shot nothing. that video promo or whatever. Yeah. They showed him breaking out of prison. It's like, well, I know what this means. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And like the funny thing is, like for years, even when I was writing about wrestling pretty regularly, I would always call it creative 
is the ones making these decisions and creative because you always hear about Vince and his team of writers and yeah. how there's last minute changes and all this stuff. Well, it's become abundantly clear, especially after that interview with Mox and what's come out since then, is that Vince literally has the last call on everything. Everything. Like, he was rewriting SmackDown shows like four weeks in a row because yeah. he brought Hours in Bischoff. Before. Bischoff, yeah, and he brought in Bischoff. Bischoff took the check. And he, not, he really didn't have any interest in doing it, so he, well, he didn't well, really again, apply himself. No, here's the thing, and, and I can't blame Bischoff, because why would you give a shit when you know, because like with, with Heyman, when they introduced Heyman and Bischoff as the new head of either show, it's like, all right, well, as long as Vince is still there, Heyman and Bischoff don't matter. All it means is that all the creatives goes to Bischoff or all the creatives goes to Heyman, and then Heyman goes to Vince. But Vince is still going to rewrite what Vince wants to rewrite, regardless right. of it being Heyman or Bischoff. So, yeah, take the goddamn paycheck. Because otherwise, why give a shit when you know that your work is going to be rewritten? I can't. I'm not going to hold it against Bischoff for not having any interest in taking the easy paycheck, because no matter what he did or no matter what he thought up, was going to get fucked up anyway. He's been and down he, this path before. He's been down this path before, and he knows. And listen, whatever you want to put on Bischoff's feet for terrible ideas and say, well, Vince couldn't trust Bischoff with terrible ideas, Vince McMahon wanted to fuck Stephanie. Vince McMahon wanted to have um, a hand yeah. birthed out of um, uh, May Young. He did have fathered a hand by Mark out Henry. Of May Young. Yeah, that happened. So, so. Bischoff, Bischoff having bad ideas, being criticized by a guy who wanted to have an incest story with his his big titted hot. Well, that was even big before, ass fucking Stephanie before she even got those done, her. man. Dude, I love Stephanie. I oh, love Stephanie's her even more. Um, but yeah, so Vince McMahon has had plenty of shitty ideas back in the height of of his company, um, and now he's got only just shitty ideas. Yep. Um, now. So, yeah. So I, I can't I can't hold it against Bischoff for just taking a paycheck because no. why give a shit otherwise? No, I don't I don't blame him at all. And his like, work was there would have been irrelevant. And what's happened to SmackDown? Like I said this to you the other night. Well, in the text is like ever since the Fox to SmackDown, SmackDown to Fox deal has been announced. The just the unraveling of watching SmackDown go downhill has been terrible for me because do you remember when they did the draft and they resplit everything off like probably about three years ago now and they went by like our oh, SmackDown's Tuesdays, Raw's Mondays and they're all yeah. separate. Remember when they did that? Yeah. And I know how you were uh, as in uh, on certain points of the show and you may have even jumped out at sometimes. There was a majority of the time that SmackDown did a tighter two hour show yep. and had more cool shit happening than that three-hour bloated version of Raw. And the but SmackDown... They have ahead. enough talent to do a five-hour thing of Raw. Yeah. like and, 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 and I'll let you go back to your point. Just another yeah. side tangent with Raw. Go for it. If they were always worried about the hours for Raw, then how about you use your goddamn network? They should have done 8 to 10 on the USA Network with whatever, and then did their 10 to 11-hour on the network without any fear of commercials and t and branded it 
back to I don't know. I don't know if they wanted to call it Rar's War, War War Zone, but they could have branded it a little something different. Put original content that continued off the first two hours and done a tease like at at uh, uh, nine fifty nine. Then you hear Brock Lesnar's music go off. Oh shit, the beast is coming out. But oh no. Yeah, coming up next is going to be uh, fucking Suits on USA. <laughs> it's like, shit, now I got to flip to the next. a new episode of Chrisley Knows Best. But they could have done a couple things by using the network to kind of help their programming. They could have done a couple edgier things because it's a Monday night. So people who have school might might be leaving or maybe they'll stay. Or I mean, the Attitude Era had a lot of weird shit with bra and panties matches that kids were in the attendance for. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so they could have did some edgier shit on the network with that last hour to help at least me. So, okay, whatever. You want your first two hours of Raw to be whatever this show is, fine. Whatever. Who cares? Because I don't. But you turn around the third hour with something different. And then you don't really have to worry so much about ratings. You don't really having so much have to worry about... um anything you could write no. that last hour how you want you could have a half hour match no commercials give me real shit that i could watch and pay attention to you might have me then long enough to stay and if you have me hooked there might be more things i start to pay attention to yes um but after the brand split to get back to your point smackdown was great when it first went yeah. after that it was great they were showcasing rhino and heath slater they got the belts which is great. It was a tag team that had that that was different before they the started odd, going the back to the fucking Usos. Yeah, but before they started jumping the belts between the New Day and the Usos, they had it on the fucking on Heath Slater and Rhino. I got kids. Like holy shit, this is different. And then they had the belt. I forget which other belt uh, somewhere else. Um, but well, I Miss had the Intercontinental belt. Yeah, and I and loved the Miss. That was like like that was a great run for him he'll miss yeah. and they and they had talking smack yep. so they literally had their own after show just dude, for their and show the Miz, and the Miz's work with daniel bryan right dude, you almost thought that his promo was real like the emotion and he's fucking when he's yelling and spits flying out and he's calling daniel bryan for fucking saying that because he's like you're the one who's fucking your neck's fucked up and i'm broken but you're calling me a safe wrestler when i've been wrestling every day in and day out for the last well, how many fucking years like Holy yep. shit. Like, yep. this was great. Like, they had so many great things going for them. Um, but I think the biggest thing that they fucked up with is is the fact that I don't like two main championships. If anything, the U.S. belt should have been the belt for SmackDown. The Intercontinental belt could have been your Raw belt. And then they let the champ hop shows. Because he's the face of your company. Yeah. I, I That's a good idea. Because the problem is this, Kellen. You have the Universal Championship and the WWE Championship. And the second that belt got put on Lesnar, it became the more important belt. A belt that was maybe only three years old is somehow more important than the belt that has the name of the fucking company in it. Yeah. I know. Oh, shit, like what? Yeah, it's. I'd never agree with that either. And it's a horrible belt. <laughs> a bright red belt is your championship belt. 
well, yeah. But it's just so, so thank God I have NXT because NXT has given me what I want. And it's my first show I watch on Wednesdays. I record AEW. I watch it on Thursday or Fridays. I actually just watched it before the uh, before we recorded today. Okay. And the takeovers. Every single NXT takeover has been a goddamn A and has left, left me exhausted by the time I'm done watching it. And I cannot wait for more games. Or the next takeover. Kellen, you can't tell me you can't see where the next takeover is going. You're going to have a takeover with Finn Baller and Gargano. You might have a takeover with Cole versus Gargano. And the tag belts versus whoever, because they got to build up their tag team a little bit more. Well, since they it took be the Viking Raiders to do Shampa? nothing with them. How's that? Wouldn't it be Cole versus Champa? Yeah, who did I say? You said Gargano. Oh, yeah, no. You're going to have Gargano, Gargano face and Finn and, and go for the belt in the same night. You want them double dip. No. Well, I mean, I, who knows? Well, you know, fuck it. Why not? Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that those two matches on that card would be phenomenal. And then yeah. you take whatever tag... Again, they have to build up the tag division. Vince gutted the tag division out of NXT to do absolutely fucking nothing with them. The fact that the Viking Raiders didn't walk into Raw and immediately start shit with the Authors of Pain to the point where the Authors of Pain are sitting now doing fucking why doesn't people fight us because we're badasses promos. But that's what they're doing with Aleister Black. Oh, and that's garbage shit too. Uh, like, garbage. Garbage. And then um, Ricochet is... Like Ricochet, who used to be like this badass in NXT, is like, oh look how look at his colorful outfits and look at how he flips. Look at the little man go. Look at him go. Uh oh, now he just got wrecked. Ooh, oh ooh, man, ooh. that's so cool. It, uh. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I, I'm I could talk about the booking of NXTers um, all day. Yeah. But the fact that they have to build up their tag division is one thing. Um, especially now that the Street Profits are on uh, Raw. Raw, yep. Um, which, I mean, good for them. They deserve the exposure. It's just they don't deserve what's going to happen to them after. Yeah, um, I mean, this is, this is just a brief moment where they're getting that push, and then they're going to get pushed right down the card. But they're building TakeOver to be awesome. And I and I think you're even going to see at the TakeOver, because now that... Because uh, uh, Roderick Strong caused uh, no contest in what was supposed to be Keith Lee and Dijakovic's rubber match. Right. So that could get pushed to take over. Um, dude, you're looking that, the next that. takeover is Survivor Series, right? That's next yeah. month. Next yeah. month. That, that takeover could look fucking phenomenal. Every takeover has been. Um, We're, I'm probably going to have to get you back on so we can talk about takeover next do it. month. Do it. Yeah, so... Um, I, my, I, you you kind of took the words right out of my mouth, my mouth about SmackDown. I was just going to say that the show was really fresh and really cool. And then it just, over the last 18 months, because they knew Fox was coming, they have just completely dissolved what it was into this bland product. And now they're trying to figure out why are the ratings dropping so much on SmackDown? Because you rolled out like every single big name you could for the premiere. And now you're like, we can't even hold a two when it comes to viewership right now. And you don't understand it. Yep. It kills me. It, it, it's... <sighs> Problem is, is that I'm not... I, 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 I don't know. I don't think I've watched... I watched the premiere of SmackDown on Fox. I haven't watched it since. I didn't yeah. even watch the Raw after. Because of, because of how 
uneventful and garbage the premiere SmackDown was. And I'm like, why why bother? Because the problem is I would have no problem getting invested in any any of those wrestlers. I, I would. They just make them irrelevant. Nope. Every single time. Well, Eric, be, you know. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I just, that's, I don't know. That's about that. <laughs> no, you're good, man. So, um, I really appreciate you hopping on here and talking with me for these now two hours. Yeah, I, you, you wanted an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you I got said, an hour in there somewhere. Hour minimum, and then whatever else happens is all bonus. So, um, I, I've had a great time, man, just reminiscing and talking about the wrestling and listening to your Star Trek ideas. So, I'm definitely going to have to reach out to you around TakeOver because yeah. there's going to be a lot to talk about, I'm sure. Dude, and, next time you bring me on, do that for TakeOver or, or just throw another random fucking night together and throw Derek on here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. If we get Derek on here, I'm going to need, I'm probably going to be up to like four in the morning <laughs> <laughs> with my recording schedule. Um, so, the way that I end every show, man, is I always end it when I'm by myself. I like to end it with some words of wisdom or, well, mostly words of wisdom for me. Here are your choices. You can give us a recommendation on something that you're into, something to watch, something to read, something to see. Um, you can do words of wisdom if you want. You can do, um, I, I, well, I mean, that, yeah, that's really it. See the recommendations or words of wisdom. I don't, I can't think of anything else that you might want to try. So, do you have any words of wisdom or recommendations for us before we get out of here? Uh, my my word of wisdom, as I keep telling my kids, um, there's always one. It doesn't matter what you're doing, where you're at. There's always one. So just just be aware of that and 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 have your patience. Uh, try, you know, don't don't let that shit get to you because there's going to be always one. Mm-hmm. Um, and my recommendations, um. God, I don't know. I mean, the problem with recommendations is that there's so much content out there. Well, you only had to do one. So um, you don't have to do a recommendation if you don't want to. Well, shit. Um, listen, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to go backwards in time. If okay. you guys have not watched The Shield with Michael Chiklis, you're uh, doing yourself a giant disservice. I should have seen this coming. That is that is the granddaddy. And listen, I, I, I know... Shows like The Sopranos and shit like we're out there, but and and Hill Street Blues and other serialized television did exist, but your your current modern day age of Sons of Anarchy and and fucking Shameless and all that stuff to me is born out of that fucking show. It is same network. So uh, go do it. Okay, go watch The Shield. Shout out to Michael Chiklis. Shout out to the thing. <laughs> <laughs> It was a good thing. I, I, I he, was, he was. I I like those Fantastic Four movies way more than I should because I love the Fantastic Four. I'm yes. not ashamed to admit it. I, I can't wait to see what Marvel does with them. I know. I know. Talking about Sandbox and all the ideas. They they literally own all the ideas now. That's so, right. Sky's the limit there. From Colin. Thank, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for reaching out. I didn't expect that text. Well, I mean, that that's what happens when uh when you uh 
when you work through just about everybody that you know and you go, fuck, I've made it. You know what? Well, that, you know what? That's, Number 50 on the list is from me. Let's go get that's, it. That's not true because <laughs> if you go back to the first episode of this year, I went through my guest list of people I wanted to get on this podcast and you and Clayton were on there, buddy. Dude, so I'll, I I'll do another one of these with Clayton on here. Oh God, I'm going to need six hours for that pod. <laughs> hey man, Derek, Derek and Clayton, those are my conditions. I need a bowl of green M&Ms and I need Derek or Clayton. Oh, you and your rotter demands. <laughs> Jeez. Well, always in the show a certain way. So I appreciate everybody who who's listening to the show. Um, you can find hyphen nation on hyphen podcast group, Morgantown, West Virginia based podcast collective, bringing great podcasts to the people, hyphen podcast group.com. Show's also brought to you by Mark Rob, written by my semi-regular co-host, Marcus Show Mad Love Robinson. That's uh, the M-A-R-C-R-O-B.wordpress.com. With all that said, for Eric Froome, I'm Kellen Conley, and thanks, y'all. And that's how we end it. Awesome. Yep. Easy peasy, man. Hey, as, yeah, hopefully you got your hour in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to subscribe and comment this has been a hyphen podcast network production they're the bestest i'm getting paid at exposure